and welcome back to the podcast ati podcast barrett lewis and josh welch here what's up what's up we wanted to get things started off by talking about the cookout and oh the success that i feel like the cookout was dude it was fantastic i had like a really good time I'm, i mean i'm sure everybody there could attest to how good of a time i had so <laughs> <laughs> yeah i was kind of locked in the danger zone on the on the grill there right and right so i was like kind of in and out of what was going on up until the time we started shooting out some fireworks but yeah we smoked i think it was about 10 pounds plus of ribs oh man and smoked some hot dogs for the kids and we did a smoked dip it was kind of like a spicy white queso dip and so that went over very well all the smoked items but then the ladies were so kind to in the house work on our side so it's corn casserole if you've ever had that, it's fantastic. It was uh, all good, man. We had some sweet I mean, potato pie, the desserts, mac and cheese. The, the desserts, desserts were good. Yeah. Dunkaroo dip. We had yeah, Dunkaroo dip. We dirt had cake. a dirt cake. Yeah, mm-hmm. man. I was uh, about six six cans deep in a six ringer of Natty Light, and <laughs> yeah, it was a good day, man. Yeah, uh, we yeah. had a blast. I think everybody had a good time. Um, you know. You guys shot off some awesome fireworks. Like it was a memorable July Fourth. Even my kids, man, the kids had a fun time hanging out with your kids and you know all the other kids and stuff. Sure. So it was a great time, man. Yeah, I think almost all the kids said that it was the best Fourth of July ever. So yeah, that, that's what yeah my boys. Said. I wasn't even like necessary. I mean, there was definitely a thought behind trying to make it a good time for everybody. So, right. Right. You know, we actually outside of the episode that we're going to release the cookout, kind of the theme behind that, just kind of the spirit of things. But we, in fact, were having a cookout to boot with the uh, kind of the ATI brain trust and our close friends. And so you saw some of that documented on social media. Right. And I think we all, <laughs> everybody ate until they were absolutely miserable. People yes. were taking naps. <laughs> uh, people slept in the next day for like, I don't know, 12 plus hours. And, Dude, I'm, I'm not going to lie. Yeah. Like. Every time I came inside to use the restroom, because I broke the seal, obviously, because I was smashing beer, but uh, every time I think I ate a rib. Every time I walked out <laughs> the front of your house, I ate a rib. And then I got home, yeah. and like I had tan shorts on, yeah. and I looked down, dude, and like where my pockets are and near my butt, it was just nothing but like <laughs> sauce and like rib juice all over, caked all over my mess, pants. What a mess, man. So. What a mess. What a mess. Yeah, it was a great time, man. I ate so many ribs. Yeah, I've got one of those Pit Boss pellet grills, and that's where it's at. Oh, dude. Any, anything's awesome. got the pellet grill uh, system going on. I know there's Traegers. There's, uh, I think there's some Alabama something, another branch. I think even Charboro's doing it now. Yeah. Um, Sunt has some, but I gotta yeah, get you can't go wrong with propane, them. man. It's. I mean, there's nothing wrong with it. It's a, it's a good, it's clean. It's a taste thing. Uh, yeah, I agree. It's, yeah. I will say some of the best steaks I've ever had were made on a 
propane grill though really yeah but steaks are more about meat like the meat itself the quality of the meat the cut of the meat so on but yeah so success with the cookout we appreciate everybody's submissions for the cookout special as well we had submissions of course from marcus from fister doug from search party pictures we had uh, submissions from bert who did our cato tribute episode with us we had several folks skyler back on so on and so on so we really appreciate everybody's submissions that they sent us and uh I, I think that there was some quite entertaining ones in there for sure. Uh, Mr. PQ might have taken the cake, but uh, Bert, Bert was certainly in contention as well. So Maybe we'll do a poll. Like, <laughs> we'll do a cookout yeah. for the July message poll and see who, yeah. who, who dropped the hottest I think drink. that's a good idea for sure. <laughs> Again, I appreciate everything cookout related, whether it was the literal cookout that we're having or the special. We appreciate everybody's participation and helping out both successful endeavors i feel like so yeah absolutely. maybe we'll make it an annual tradition yeah i think that'd be awesome man i mean like i said i had a blast so i'm always yeah. down for more of it <laughs> for sure <laughs> we want to get into some current events as well so of course one of the coolest things that i've seen in the last 24 48 hours is the ads that gavin newsom's been doing right for his re-election of governor campaign so he's got a governor campaign going on right now for 2022 and he did actually a targeted ad, but he didn't only just broadcast it in his state. He broadcast it in Florida specifically. Right. And it kind of went right at DeSantis and the abortion restrictions, the, you know, CRT stuff he's trying to do, going after anything that was COVID related that he, uh, DeSantis was attacking specifically and so defiant of to begin with. Like, he's just calling DeSantis out left and right. Right. And a lot of people are saying, well, it's, it's got some, there's some forecasting going on here because Gavin Newsom might, is particularly if Joe Biden's not going to run again in 2024, Gavin Newsom might be a prime candidate for the Democrat Party. And a lot of people are looking to DeSantis. Well. In, in place of Trump. Right. So, so yeah, I've heard that he's kind of like the second in command for, you know, the MAGA reign. If anything were to happen with Trump not being capable of running in 2024, whether that be a pers- prosecution or whatever, if that does happen, it's never happened. So, DeSantis is just about the biggest Trump surrogate that there right, is out there in, right. in any politics. So you could, so. what I'm saying is, I guess that, that alt-right wave, if you want to call it that, that red wave is Definitely. absolutely going to flood to DeSantis if, if that happens. So. It's cool to actually see another candidate saying, hey, if Joe can't get it done, I'll get it done. I'm not scared to call these right. people out. You know what I mean? So good on Newsom for doing what he did. What I've also liked, what's been very cool to see is, you know, like in North Carolina, specifically the governor there, I read just before we got on the podcast day. It seems like we're always getting like really good stuff right before we get on the podcast that we can't go too deep in. But I know that the governor in North Carolina made it so that uh, women would not be prosecuted if they were to get abortions and the providers he signed an executive order. Now, this order. is a Republican, right? Uh, no. Um, is he a Democrat? Yeah, well, I can look it up real Either quick. Either way, that's, you know, that's amazing. You know what I mean? That's cool that this person's stepping up and protecting Roe, you know what I mean? And protecting women's health and rights, you know what I mean? So good on him for stepping up. Yeah, I, he's a Democratic governor. Okay, he is yeah. a Democrat. Yeah, okay. Roy Cooper. Well, good for him. That's his name. Good job, man. <laughs> but yeah, he, uh, it's, you know, it's refreshing to see. I mean, a lot of those states. Now, Newsom kinda, did that too. Like well, right after, right? It was already legal in their state as it was, but I think he signed, he signed a like, executive order that they would be a safe 
haven essentially so okay anybody from other states could come to the state for your prosecution i got you now here's something interesting that i've been saving to talk to you about for the podcast did you know that gavin newsom's wife is a conservative media personality supposedly was she's not anymore kimberly guilfoyle that's donald trump jr's girlfriend now oh really yeah yeah they used to be married they're not married anymore no okay so yeah. I read that and I was like, really? Like yeah. I did not know that. So that's wild. She was the one that Is was he like remarried crazy. Now? Oh yeah, he's remarried. He's got some boys. Okay. Okay. See, I that just shows you how much more research yeah. I need to put into Newsom. I mean, if he he his current wife might be too for all I know, but not to my knowledge. I, I'm pretty confident that's Kimberly Guilfoyle, and she's with uh, Donald Trump Jr. That's kind of a lot of they were like personally attacking Newsom. I get and a you. lot of stuff that they were doing, especially during the COVID, like when COVID was kicking off in 2020. Right. You know, Newsom was one of the few governors that was t- kind of taking the charge yeah. along with Cuomo <laughs> from New York, but his fate wasn't so good. Yeah. Uh, so, but they were, they, they were two of the most, let's say critically applauded, I would say from health agencies on their vigilance right. against the COVID right. wave that was coming into the United States, you know, in March and April of 2020 in particular and get a lot of attention with doing their, they would do like daily press briefings and things like that. Yeah. So, but yeah, I I think it's going to be interesting to see where the 2024, you know, general election goes with the presidential candidates that we have. I, you know, we've been critical of Joe Biden on the show. I would really like to see somebody else because I do, I'm very confident that Joe Biden cannot beat a returning Donald Trump, and I'm very confident that he could not right. beat DeSantis either. Only way he's going to so. be have any shot in hell of being even in contention is if he steps up to the plate and starts doing shit because right. he's literally done nothing. I mean, there was a there was you know that what's the host from the Young Turks? She talked about it. He has literally not done anything for the electorate. You know what I mean? Right. I mean, he, like, he's not done enough. That's for sure. You know, what I mean? but yeah, and I mean, he's made false promises, and I know, you know, but you know, he talks about how important having the Senate seats are. But what right. have we done with the Senate seats? You can't even get Democrats to be a Democrat, man. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's well, just we have been a House majority, failure. and and we can right. get things done in the House from right. time to time. But the Senate is a deadlock. And if you, you know? talk to people, they're going to tell you. They're going to be like, well, what's been good since Joe Biden? What's been good for me personally since Joe Biden's been in office? Gas has went question. up. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like people are suffering with, you know, buying food and, you yeah. know, getting health care. And then this shit's well, happening I mean, with Roe. I'm going to say something that's controversial. You know, as much as I talk on Trump, you know, like while he was in office, I was better off financially, personally. Right. I mean, you yeah. really have to look at it on, you know, a personal level, like how it, how things affect that person while that president is in office. You know what I mean? People are going to reflect on that when they head right. to the polls because it's their personal life. So speaking of politics and presidential hopefuls and so on and so forth, somebody we haven't talked about explicitly uh, here on the podcast, which is another Missourian. And I love to rep our Missourian brethren is Jason Kander. Jason Kander is amazing. He was, you know, had some his day in the sun in politics. He, you might remember him. He was in the state legislature to start, mm-hmm. and then he was our Secretary of State for the state. Right. And then he ran for Senate. And whenever he ran for Senate, his real popular ad was him disassembling a gun with the blindfold on, if you recall that. And he was a Democrat. Right. So that was his ad whenever he was running for Senate, I believe that was 2014. Yeah. Somewhere in that range. And he had only lost by, hell, it might have been 2016, actually, because he 
because I think kind of comparatively, and I'm going to get to this point, he kind of got critically applauded and hand-selected for uh, essentially the next Obama, the next big thing in the Democratic Party by Obama himself while he was president, brought candor into his office, talked to him for 90 minutes in his office, and really encouraged and tried to give him some words of encouragement to run for president in particular because he felt like he was the future of politics. That is a direct quote from the president of the United States, former president, that is, Barack Obama, that he was the next big thing coming in politics. So Jason Kander, fantastic guy from Missouri, Army veteran, public servant. His parents are public servants. Comes from a long line of great people, Jewish to boot. So for my (laughs) Jewish brethren out there. But yeah, so just a great guy. And he kind of fell off the map. Well, the reason he fell off the map, PTSD. And he had had, because he was in so many of these high stakes kind of hostage and negotiation scenarios where he was kind of playing clothes type investigator, special forces in the army in particular. So he would go in and he would meet with people from the Taliban right. or thugs that were trading with other thugs and right. just a lot of, you know, kind of special operations type stuff, special intelligence stuff. So he was, he was relatively high up in the military. He, uh, he had a very successful career. He, he was doing law as well. So he's a lawyer by trade. So essentially he was going to run for mayor of Kansas city, kind of help get some of that executive experience under his belt further in preparation to be president. And he just up and, and he would have handily won Kansas city. He's from Kansas city. Right. He's right. popular. He's Everybody knows him. Even, right. You know, common votes, Democrats are going to vote for him on top of that. Right. He would probably sway some Republican. Typically, even at the city level, people are a little bit more independent in their right. voting. More independent people. So, Kander, just a, a great guy. I can't speak enough good stuff about him. Well, he's got a podcast, actually, that's been out for about a year now, Majority 54. So, if you guys like listening to, and they pick out, generally, the idea of that premise of that is they pick out one current event, hot topic, usually in politics related, but sometimes they mix in a little bit of other stuff. And they typically bring on a guest to discuss it, and it's him and uh, Ravi Gupta. And the two of them usually bring on another guest. They discuss whatever that is. So, like, for example, whenever Roe v. Wade got overturned, they did an episode much like we did and gave some resources and some things on there. So if you get the chance, definitely check it out. But also he was recently, he being Jason Kander, was on WTF pod with Mark Marin And if anybody likes Mark Marin or his podcast, it's a fantastic episode where he kind of details – what I say in, you know, from his firsthand account. So, right. yeah, if you if you if you just want to gloss over, you think the guy sounds interesting, go check out uh, Mark Marin's WTF pod. And he was actually on the episode for the Fourth of July. You know, Mark Marin intentionally got something a little more patriotic related and brought him on the show. And he talked about his new book, Jason Kander's new book, and his history of PTSD and his issues and struggles with suicide in particular. So. Really interesting listen. Other current events. I went to the Fister and Bastard show last Saturday. Excellent turnout. Was that the sinkhole in St. Louis? Fantastic time. Yeah, really good time. And there was a lot of of people in there. I mean, the place was packed. It's a relatively small punk venue, but the people there, the staff there were great. Uh, Well-managed. just a really good time. So good to still you know. see seeing shows and venues like that. You know what I mean? Right. I and love it, it. It was a return to to the scene in particular for Fister, but Bastard as well. 
in the sense that, you know, since COVID happened, you know, opportunities and things were limited. And the two of them, I mean, they killed it. Bastard played a 45-minute set, and Fister played at least a 45-minute set, if not an hour. Fister <laughs> ended up blowing the power panel out, oh, the shit. circuit panel out. Yeah, so there was no power for about 10, 15 minutes. Oh, shit. And 75% of the front end, I want to say. Damn. Yeah, so it was pretty wild. And Damn, they overloaded and it, huh? Yeah, oh, for sure. Damn. They were running two full stacks, both of them. Yeah, <laughs> that's so, so fucking And badass. all of their lights and all their fog machines Hell and shit. Yeah. So, yeah, it's, that's it awesome. Took them for a ride there, but uh, it was a good time. Did the full treatment. They treated it just like any other show that they would perform at. Those guys are pros. And, of course, we've had Jason from Bastard, who was playing drums. Marcus actually filled in on get second guitar as well with Bastard and played with Fister. And we've had Marcus on the show as well. So, so Marcus doubled up? Yeah, Marcus doubled up. Damn, Double baby. duty, man. Get His hands had to be cramping by the end of the night. <laughs> but he killed it, man. He slayed and still brought the energy. I hate that I missed it. I heard it was a hell of a show. So Yeah, really good turnout. So I'm, I'm glad to see that those guys got the warm welcome back to the live music scene that well-deserved. And my God, they motherfuckers are the loudest motherfuckers. <laughs> <laughs> and good, because, you know, that's the thing that I used to go for back whenever... Right. I was in bands Were your ears and stuff too. When you left? Yeah, yeah. I was definitely. I thought I might have been a little tutored, but I'm like, no, I didn't. I didn't partake in too much of that before I went in. And <laughs> my my head was ringing, and I was like, you know, I think it's the sound. So let me try testing my hearing against you know my phone audio and my car audio. I'm like, oh yeah, everything sounds tinny. That's definitely yeah. what's going on here. Yeah, so, yeah. Really good time. Really fantastic time for me and on that. Next time, especially standing that close, I'm, I'm going to be wearing eardrums. I'm <laughs> getting ready to turn 35 next week, so I'm not yeah. getting any younger with that. Yeah, you better plug in mirrors up <laughs> so you don't blow anything. Dude, I'm half deaf as it is now. Me too. And I, I got to tell my wife four or five times. It's like, what, what, what? Right, so, right. Yeah, anywho. Thor, Love and Thunder coming out this weekend, so I, I really do want to see awesome, that. man. Yeah, uh, I'm really excited for that. Like, you know, the visuals and that, just from the trailer. It was on our fantastic. list of movies that we were most excited for on our first episode. And they say covered. this is maybe one of Christian Bale's best performances, is what I've been I've heard that it's the best Marvel villain performance, which is a That's tall order. Shocking, man. Whenever you're talking Tom Hiddleston as Loki, Loki and Josh right. Brolin as... Thanos, so right, and I mean, and there's been some other acceptable, you know, yeah, outings, if you will. Well, Marvel's kind of like I don't know if you, I don't want to say very cookie flat, but it's kind of like it's kind of dying off slowly. I don't, in my opinion, yeah, you know, with the Infinity in Endgame, that that took a lot out of the fan base emotionally. Right, right. the roller coaster that that went on, and oh, we're gonna kill all these people, but then we're gonna bring them back. Well, you know. But it's good to see him. It have was necessary. Yeah, where for I was sure. Going with that. Yeah. Oh my God! Please, yeah. yeah. When I was a kid, I, I never dreamed anything like this has happened. You know, and right. Even yeah. when it started to happen in like 2008 with Iron Man, yeah. This whole you know phase one, right, of the MCU, I was like, this. There's no way they're going to sustain this. There's, I was just so very pessimistic about it because I'd seen it my entire life. You know, right. The failed Roger Corman Fantastic Four movie. I right. could, you know, just go on and on. Which, dude, when I was younger, I used to fucking watch that movie all the time. Well, yeah, <laughs> it was a little hard to get your hands on because it it flopped. You know what's his name that played the oh the ball guy? I can't think of his name. Oh, no, you're you're referring to the Mark Frost. Yeah, Fantastic the terrible Four movies. Those are bad too. No, I'm talking. 
10 years plus before. Oh, that. I didn't see that but one. Yeah, because it got it got blackballed. It oh, got made. Oh, damn. And it is, it is rough. It, I, I, I got to watch it. Oh, man. <laughs> when I was in college, we got fucking ripped and loaded and just sat and wa- a room of, of us full of us just sat and watched it. And it yeah. was, it's bad, dude. It is <laughs> up there. It's almost as, I mean, like, I don't know if you've ever seen the Nick Fury, David Hasselhoff tv movie oh no oh it's it's a real thing oh yeah wow you gotta see i'm that. interested so <laughs> <laughs> it is it is something to behold for sure oh, i shit. mean you can go back the i don't know when i was younger i liked the the first captain america movie but i, I just i just wanted superhero stuff in front of me you right know? right i liked the shitty old spider-man cartoons and oh yeah the justice league what was the Batman Beyond? Batman Beyond, yeah. That was so fantastic. Batman Beyond. That was, was the animated series, right? That was kind of the sequel to the Batman animated series from the nineties because yeah. it was the old Bruce Wayne right. with the younger. Yeah, but uh, I used to watch the crap out of that though. <laughs> no, it was it was good. Yeah, no, I liked it. It you know, kind of had an industrial music vibe to it, new metalish type stuff like mm-hmm. with the music. So that's one thing with the Batman animated series type stuff. Music's always been big. You know, they implemented, I believe, the Danny Elfman soundtrack even, you know, so the guy who did even the Tim Burton stuff, they actually used his soundtrack for the animated series that started out actually in the oh, early wow. 90s. That's awesome. So, yeah, they they really, a lot of attention to detail. Paul Denny was heavy involved in that, also a big comic book writer for years. And, yeah, just all good shit. Actually, Warner Brothers usually does pretty good with the animated stuff, so. Yeah. But back to Thor, and it's looking like actually this might be one of the lower-rated Marvel movies. I didn't read any official reviews from any you know accredited, I guess, reporters or, or entertainment reporters that is in particular. But right now it's trending at a sixty-nine percent on Rotten Tomatoes, and last oh, night wow. was, or well, I guess it's tonight. Tonight's Thursday, so yeah, they're going to be doing the midnight showing that they do but they do it at 7 p.m i don't <laughs> how's that make any sense but whatever right. the premiere night preview yeah right some the preview of the preview right it's like everything else now yeah but it's trying to get you to come in that's right. it <laughs> well hell i i would go see this i mean yeah natalie portman's in it she's always been a crush of mine oh dear. yeah celebrity crush that's padme yeah <laughs> i know it started for me, but I'm close in age, so that's a qualifier. I saw Leon the Professional when it came out, and she's a little girl on that, and I was a little boy at the time, and I thought she was the cutest thing ever. And as she was in stuff over the years, I'm like, oh, that's that girl. Yeah. And I remember it's so like Star Wars. Yep. She was in that. Garden v for State. Vendetta. She was in that. V for Vendetta. She was in that. Yeah. You know, Closer. She was in that. Yep. I mean, I've seen her in all kinds of stuff over the years. And the Thor movies, you know, she's a part of that franchise. It's Jane Foster. Yeah. And uh, she's looking mighty fine in this one. Nothing wrong with Natalie Portman. No. Nothing. 10 out of 10. Would recommend. Absolutely. <laughs> so what else, Josh? Anything else current event-wise that we want to talk before we get Mr. Heb? We're going to have Heb on. I don't know, man. Um, it's hot. The heat. The yeah, miserable the heat. I'm glad we're going to get a little bit of relief. I mean, it's Thursday night, so. I'm always about a little bit of relief. If you yeah. Oh, I feel you. Yeah. But yeah, I'm glad that this weekend it's supposed to be, I think, in the mid to low 80s. Yeah. This is Josh with your weather report. <laughs> Here's Joshua. <laughs> <laughs> the Blackie weather forecast. But no, I'm, I'm, I'm excited for that, so. It's going great! <laughs> <laughs>
Alrighty, folks, we are back with you with Mr. Jason Hebb of No Point and Grave Neighbors while he chugs a beer. How you doing, <laughs> sir? Beer. That's Jeez. hell yeah. Atta boy. Shit, I'm doing great. How are you guys? We're fantastic, sir. Fantastic, sir. We're so happy to have you on, sir. Been wanting to mix it up with you. I think we've been talking about this since we first got started here, having you on the show. So Yeah, after the got really into it after the Cato episode. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, and uh, again, appreciate you so much doing that for us. Yeah, you know, man. Oh, yeah, dude, no problem. Your submission was fantastic and awesome and really added to the episode. Yeah, I mean, I, I couldn't not do it. I mean, I think I first met the dude in, like, 98. Wow. So, like, he was fucking 16 because he dropped out, got his GED, and went to college. It was like, yeah. okay, who the fuck does that? He drops out just to go to college and <laughs> right. hang out, so... Right. That sounds like a very Cato thing. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Were you in college whenever you met him? Yeah. Okay. It was my second year. Oh, okay. Damn. I, I knew you were older than us, but I didn't realize you were that much older than us. Oh, oh, son, I'm <laughs> Well, I'll be, you were, I'll be 43 in two weeks, so. Well, there you go. There you go. Yeah. yeah. You're just in your prime. Hell yeah. I guess. <laughs> the 43 is your prime and still playing punk rock, then that's fucking me. Hey, man, yeah, hey, that's fucking sweet is what that is. Yeah, that's awesome, man. That's awesome that you're still doing that. I mean, it, and like, I, don't know, I guess a couple of years ago it hit me. After I played a show, I was like, holy shit, I'm the guy. I might be the oldest person here. <laughs> no, no, not even that. I, oh. I've accepted that. It was more of the, I was like, oh my gosh, I'm the old dude playing that I looked up to when I was a kid. I was like, man, that guy's old as hell. He's still fucking playing. That's so cool. Right, right, right. right. It's like, holy fuck. Well, that's me now. Well, okay, here we go. <laughs> yeah, I'm dude. still looking up to you, dude. That's badass. I wish I yeah. would still do it. <laughs> Working slub Monday through Friday, fucking rock star, want to be on the weekend. So. Hey, there's yeah. nothing wrong with that, my man, whatsoever. So yeah. speaking of rock star on the weekends, we got to get in to start talking about some of what you got going on. I know you've been doing some recording. Which project are we recording yeah. with? Uh, no point. No point. So we did recorded three songs. We're almost done. We got vocals to come back and do for Jesse, and then one more layer of guitars to do. No point's a four piece, isn't it? Yes, it's a four piece. Uh, it's myself on bass, Barry Reeds on drums, Jesse Abshire on guitar, and Jay Wilson on guitar. And right now we're rocking as a three piece because Jay just reopened a cabinet shop that he started with his dad like twenty years ago. Oh wow! I guess it was. Like June 1st, he quit his job up here, a union carpenter, and reopened full time. So he's playing catch up and to get caught up on jobs sure. that he has. And then hopefully, end of the month, middle of next month, he'll be at a place where he can start coming back up for practice. Like, we haven't seen him at practice since like January. He just. Oh, wow. He had a whole bunch of side work that he had lined up. And like the guy that was lining up for him is like, fuck it, man, just do it. So he turned in his notice at his job and he's doing it now. So. Yeah. Well, good for him. Hopefully, he'll be back real soon. And then. We back full force as a four piece, and so how long have you guys been together? First practice was like first or second week of December of 2018. Okay. Oh wow. Okay. Cool. Yeah. Well, you guys have done a lot of moving and shaking in that time, but almost four years. EP out of full length and a couple of singles that we dropped during COVID. Oh wow, doing fucking work. Yeah. Yeah. Is what you guys record now? Is that working toward an EP or is that to go toward a, a full length? Uh, we're not sure 100 completely. Whatever it is, whatever we decide to do after this, it's this is going to be. Once everything is done, we're going to just hold on to it and then use that as a like a teaser single. Sure. Oh, cool. For whether it's an EP or a full length or whatever. Yeah. And I think we're going to we're going to put it out as a like a single. Like remember back in the day like the yeah. the cardboard sleeve stuff? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, we're going to do that. It's two originals on one side that are like bleed into each other. They're both short songs. And then the B side is going to be a cover of Tom Dooley. All right. Hang down your head, Tom Dooley. Yeah, yeah. Hang down yeah. your head. 
Yeah, we covered that and just skate punked the fuck out of it. So yeah, <laughs> although that, that that would be definitely a, a fun one to do yeah. in that type of rendition. Oh yeah, except it is hard to record that bitch without vocals because it's the same two chords. Right. For three minutes. Yeah, yeah, I know how that goes. Yeah. And just to like remember where you're at, it's it's kind of wild, but you kind of get the highway vision whenever you're doing something like that. You, mm -hmm. know? <laughs> you can zone out real easily. Real bad. It, it, that, that's the thing. It's kind of like you know people trash like super simple songs, but actually it takes a focus to right. It's to fucking do. hard. Yeah. yeah. To sit there and just grind it. Dude. Right. Yeah. One of my old bands did a Johnny Cash song, and it's the same way. Except two thirds of the way through, there's a key change. And you just had to hope you were counting right, and you all did the key change at the same time. Otherwise, it otherwise it sounded like yeah. shit, like a car crash. Oh yeah, you get real bad real fast. <laughs> For sure, man. So yeah, that's kind of you know we've talked to several different people. That's kind of the way the music business is. It really seems to even go more so now as kind of that single approach to start teach your right. material, get it out there, right. see what people are feeling, and then kind of locking into whatever mood that you tapped into, depending on you know which singles that people gravitate towards, and then maybe right. use that for a future release, an EP or full length or whatever the case is. Right, that's that's what we plan on doing with this. I've wanted to release a tape for a while since it became a cool thing again, because I remember sure. being a kid and just being like, oh yeah, gotta go to Walmart to get the new fill in the blank tape of whatever in it. Right. And then we had written these two songs and decided to do a cover song, and I was like, why don't we just put it out on a tape, like a single? There you go. <laughs> there you go. And then, like my other band members are like, besides Jay, are like ten years younger than I am. They just kind of looked at me. I'm like, so they were like, "What's a casingo?" I'm like, "You don't remember going to Walmart, get the little cardboard things with the tape in it?" And they just stared at me blankly. He's like, "Okay, well, I guess I'm an old man." Fuck. Yeah. What was that place in Farmington? Was it called Coast to Coast Sounds? Yes, Coast to Coast Sounds. They had a shit ton of those in there in one section. I remember. Oh yeah, like and what's crazy is. I grew up in St. Jen, so once one of us got our license, like, we would drive over there on, when did CDs come out, like, Tuesdays? Yeah, usually. Yeah. We would get out of school on Tuesday and, like, head straight over there to get whatever it was that we wanted to go get. Right. Yeah. Like, one of them that I specifically remember was whenever they released the Nirvana from the Muddy Bakes of the Wishka. Yeah, yeah. Like, a carload of us, like, crammed into my Monte Carlo, like, six of us, and drove over to get, and we each bought the CD. That's hilarious. That's awesome. Because we're like, this is fucking amazing. It's... Yeah. Everybody needed it. And it was all, like, live stuff and B-sides, plus the one unreleased song that they put out. And Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, we drove 40 minutes from St. Jen across 32 to go to Farmington to get that. That's awesome. Yeah. People don't, especially younger people, they don't realize what went into back in the day, you know, how if, if you wanted an album, you know, you had to put in the legwork. Oh, yeah. Sure. Yeah, you had to work your ass off. Everything's instant and digital now, so. You know, back then, I had never gone anywhere that wasn't off of 55. I'm like, man, I don't know, Farmington, that's, oh. <laughs> that's like 30 miles on 32, whenever 32 was still scary. And yeah, it was, yeah, it's a totally different world now. We were so reliant on physical media back then, which it's making its comeback. Like you mentioned, you know, tapes are coming back. Right. You know, there's actually a huge tape manufacturer in Missouri specifically that's one of the leading oh, really? folks. Yeah, right now and pretty reasonable price-wise and they that's cool they've come so far with that technology you know right it's, you can still yet get that analog sound and kind of what's there's been kind of a perfect storm too with the vinyl shortage that there is because a lot of that's right. contingent on right. petroleum yeah. and then secondly i think it was between like adele and taylor swift they bought up like a bunch of reserved vinyl and like just chewed up the market that was ridiculous yeah bands you know you're at least 18 months out on a vinyl now right yeah it, right ridiculous and the, and that's the type of stuff that just irritates me because the people for the most part the people that buy that don't give a fuck right right they're about the sound quality they don't they just want it to have it to 
to post on the fucking internet. Right. Yeah. Look what I bought right. today. Right. Right. It's, yeah, it's dumb. Or conversation piece in the house, or maybe even if they have a friend come over to look cool. Right. It's a fucking, it's a coffee table book that they're going to set next to their TV on a shelf and right. not ever listen to it because they just listen to it on their fucking phone. But, right. I know. And that's, it's funny because uh, PQ and I were talking about this uh, a few episodes back. We were talking about how the new Converge album was coming out, uh, Blood Moon, and, we bought it, we pre-ordered it, but it wasn't even coming out. We just literally got our copies here in the last couple of weeks. Yeah, I saw that you just got yours the other day. Yeah, it was, it's, it was such a delay, but yeah, that goes into that vinyl manufacturing delay. You know, uh, I do a lot of the Splitsville stuff, like uh, the Two Minutes of Late Night guys, whenever they do the covers, like bands cover each other's stuff. And uh, for those vinyls, it's at least nine to ten months out. That's crazy. You know, so. Yeah, like back before COVID hit, Grave Neighbors was going to put out a split record, a split seven with another St. Louis band, Break Mouth Annie. And we each wrote a new song and we covered one of each other's songs. That's cool, man. And then some drama happened with their band. And then during COVID, we're like, well, you know, let's, you know, still try to do this. And at that point, even that early in COVID, like, they're like, oh yeah, it's going to be nine months for a test. We're like, holy fuck. Yeah, that's crazy. That's crazy. When before, evidently, it was like, eight to ten weeks right. if they were busy now it's nine months for a test and i don't even know what it is now like it's absolutely insane yeah that's absurd but the thing about the i think about the cassette thing too there's a quicker turnaround obviously even oh, yeah. though it is getting popular as well you know again you still get that analog experience that people crave right especially if right. you get a good setup right. for analog in and of itself so tapes are way more affordable for bands it's way more affordable for the consumers you know you can probably spend like four dollars a tape as far as production is concerned you can turn around and sell it for ten dollars and Everybody wins. Right. You know? Right. And the, and the same thing with CDs. You don't get that same sound that you do from a cassette or a record, but it's still that physical copy of like how, holding it in your hand and then the process of like getting the goddamn plastic off of it. Oh, I yeah. know. That's the dude. Shh. Even Rick my vinyl crystal. and cassettes that I get, like, right. it's so yeah. hard. I'm like, yeah. I've got no nails. <laughs> right. And without fail, if I get a new CD or a tape, I just trim my nails the next day. So I'm like clawing at it like a cat without. Claws. I can't tell you how many LPs I've done this to. Like the sleeves on them, I've went to go to tear the plastic off and I can't get it because my nails. So then I have to like pinch it and like power pinch, pull it right. off. <laughs> and then I've just like, I'll, it'll slip out of my hand and I'll bounce it and it'll bend the corner or whatever. Like right, I mean, right, I just right. got it, you know, and I'll, God I'll just want to kill myself. I was, yeah, I know. It's, it's, I was going to put this on the record player and rip it to my phone and then put it up. There went all the value in it. Shit. And, and that's another thing people don't realize is, is that you can, you know, rip that stuff. Right. Yeah. Good audio quality mm -hmm. straight from with most decent turntables nowadays, you know. Right. They've got that capability. My wife has been doing that for a long time. Like she'd go to a show, get this rare fucking seven inch, rip it to her computer and then put it up. Like all of her stuff is either mint or near mint. And then I'm the, the heathen that buys a CD and shoves it between my gear shift and my e-brake. I'm like, well, that's where you're going to live. Yeah, <laughs> I know. Yeah, matter of convenience. <laughs> right, yeah. The other great thing is, like, CDs are also cheap as fuck to make. Oh, that's right. true. Yeah, for sure. And the turnaround is ridiculous. Like, for our full length, we got the masters back. We already had the artwork and everything. This is no points. We sent it off and got it back in six days. Wow. That's crazy. Yeah, that's quick. And it was, I think, and I think we did like a 200 press just to last for a while. And like six days later, like they got dropped off at Jay Z's house. I was like, that's Damn. incredible. Yeah, that's yeah. quick. And it was uh, through Kunaki, who I got turned on to by Fro of all people. Yeah, I forgot all about them actually. And they do cassettes and they do DVDs too. And it's the turnaround is just as fast and it's a great quality product and cheap as fuck. And you get it within 10 days. It's 
I know now what what shows you got coming up on No Point. You got anything in the near future? Uh, no Point. We are playing Saturday in Bloomington at the Night Shop. Hell okay. yeah! Like we'll this plug Saturday all that for sure. This Saturday. It's a it's a late show, so that should be fun. After that, for No Point, I think we have something towards the end of September at the Sinkhole. Now the sinkhole. I just I just uh, went up and saw Bastard and Fister there last Saturday night. Oh yeah, how was that? Oh my god, yeah, it was insane, it was dude. Wall, it yeah. was it was like tuna can, sardine can, Ridic- ridiculously fucking loud. Yeah, ridiculously <laughs> dude, loud and packed. Just talked about that. Yeah, dude, it was my. You know, I used to play loud music too, so like I'm yeah. pretty accustomed to that. But it's been a few years since I've been like in that environment, and I was like standing right in front of Marcus the whole time. Oh. And so I could get like pictures and videos for them and right. yeah, my I was just my ears were blown out, man. Oh yeah. The the last time I saw Fister was there and it was some kind of release, I think. And they had like the laser lights going and the strobe lights going. Yep. They did the same. And the smoke machine going and just being their loud as fuck self. <laughs> yeah. And and it was fucking packed. It was hot. And I think I honestly only made it about 10 minutes. And I was just like, and the entire 10 minutes, Kenny just was rattling my nuts and my heart. I'm like, fuck, man, this this might be where I fuck. I might have to actually fucking tap out at a show because everything is just too much. <laughs> Between the pure volume and the strobe lights and the lasers going off. And then you're like, just this cloud of like, smoke i was just like oh yeah i'm going home it's and I pretty was intense drunk too so i was like this is too much going on it gets pretty intense for sure i was like all right dude peace i'm fucking bounced it was they had everything rolling at the show and it was like it they blew like the circuit panel like half tripped half the circuits oh, in it yeah hardcore like the power was out for like a good 15 minutes i want to say but it was a good time after the their first trip to europe um, they did a, I don't know if it was like Taste of Maplewood or something like that, but they played outside of the Crow's Nest in the back parking lot. And uh, Levi and I went because it was before he moved to New Orleans and they like tripped the breaker there like three times and like the cops. Damn. Oh, <laughs> oh, really? Because they're getting noise complaints. Yeah. They're like, we could hear you at Big Bend. Yeah. Like by like the QT and stuff where the QT is now. It's just, they're like, yeah, you're done. I was like, yeah. I was like, holy shit. They could hear Time you that far away. That's, that's, a that good, that's about a mile or so. Yeah. That's, yeah. that's, that's yeah. easy. Yeah. That's loud. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it was ridiculous. They are a, they are an experience. They're not just a band. Like they they bring mm-hmm. it with the live performance for sure. I hate to say it if they hear this, I'm sorry. Like I cannot sit down and listen to a Fister record, but I will go see them most every time just because it's it's an experience like you said. It's high energy, it's explosive. And they're still like they're the only band to where when I get whatever it's over, like I can't hear. Like like it yeah, cuz they're just so loud and my hearing is so completely fucked at this point that <laughs> most stuff yeah, i'm I like know. oh yeah that wasn't bad they're like how are you not deaf right now i'm like because eh, i can't hear for shit but there's yeah, that the damage has been done <laughs> <laughs> that was kind of my mindset whenever i went in there to watch them i was like yeah hey, I'll, I'll be all right i've heard louder but it's yeah, like, oh jesus christ especially at the sinkhole that's a tiny room yeah right, it, it definitely new. yeah was was that your first time there yes it was actually i had never been there previously what do you think of it i love that place i was about it it was definitely the type like venue that i would have been very attracted to back in my hardcore plan days oh sure. dude the hardcore shore there is ridiculous yeah i can imagine there was a little motion going on surprisingly there oh really? bastard and yeah all oh, right on. i didn't i didn't get it but they didn't get too ridiculous you know right. with it 
I mean, hell, we've I'm, seen I'm a mosh at a circus now. show at one time. Yeah, so. that's true. I have seen people try to fucking mosh at Circus Survive. Which... Yes, that was that's... wild. That was one of the weirdest things. Yeah. Dude, they just weren't high enough. <laughs> Evidently <laughs> exactly. not, but they were, it was like little teenagers, too. Oh, yeah, you gotta, so. you gotta get to that level to so understand that. Anthony Green's music, for sure. <laughs> Dude, for yeah. real. Well, hey, it doesn't hurt to watch a little fister with a little... Uh, little buzz buzz yeah, right little, right right little green kind in you i, I haven't done that because if i do any of that i'm fucking useless i can't drive i can't do anything i just sit in a chair and stare at stuff <laughs> yeah. right. well there, there's all different kinds out there so right. you can you know there's probably something that fits you right right let's get back on what you got going boss what's going on with grave neighbors how are you how's that band doing fucking great uh we just got final mixes back for four songs that we recorded back in january okay nice. we're just going to kind of sit on them i think two of them like Go out on a split with Break My Thanny, the band I was talking about before. Yeah, yeah. Bob got new band members, and I was talking to him. I was like, hey, you just want to do the split now? He's like, yeah, okay, sure. And so hopefully we can find a label to put that out on and get a split seven out. Use two of them for that and hold on to the other two. Not sure what we'll do with the rest of them. And then, uh, let's see what shows-wise. We have August 6th at the Sinkhole with Breakmouth Annie. And that's the band you guys are going to do the split with, right? Yes, with Breakmouth Annie, uh two houses from Chicago and Bedspin from Carbondale. Okay. okay cool. So that'll be that'll be super fucking rad. Carbondale, man. Carbondale used wow. to be a hotbed for pop punk. Oh yeah. Dude, Carbondale is still a hotbed. It's Is it? Yeah, it's just I'm 43 and they're all like 20, so I don't know. I don't know any of them, but <laughs> Yeah. But yeah. Well, uh, that's what I was going to ask you about too. You know, the Sinkhole I know is kind of a pretty popular venue for punk shows in particular, yeah. but you know, where where are some of your more routine places that you guys are playing at? For the most part, Sinkhole and uh Heavy Anchor. Heavy, Heavy Anchor. Anchor. Yeah, it's those are the right now, honestly, that in St. Louis, those are only two rooms that or feasible for the most part. After after that, it's like twelve hundred cap rooms. Like even even Red Flag that Bob from Food Bar opened. Like I've played there a few times, but it was smaller shows that drew like seventy five people in a room that's like a thousand cap. That doesn't look like fucking anybody. Right. So I mean, yeah, for like right now, that's that's the only two. There's a house over off off a of Cherokee called the Pink Pit that is doing basement shows. Oh shit! And Darren, my guitarist from a uh, Grave Neighbors, we went there one night because it was right by his apartment. And it was fucking amazing. Like, just little kids everywhere. That's awesome, dude. Fucking going off. It was fucking rad. Like, I love to see it still. It made us feel good. Like, a, you know, the Grinch, my heart, two sizes that day. I'm like, yeah, they're still doing it. There's, yeah. there's a tons of great fucking young punk rock bands up here in the city that are just doing their thing. And it's crazy because they're doing, like, older stuff. Like, like 80s hardcore type stuff. Very good. And then there's, like, another batch of bands that are doing like late 80s early 90s post-punk early grunge type stuff and i'm just like how the fuck do you even know what this is it's like yeah. a fucking revival man yeah seriously there's yeah. there's a band um chainsaw boys it's a five-piece band the drummer is a guy and everyone up front is a girl and they all graduated high school last year Holy whoa shit. like That's like wild. like this past may and they're like this crazy like late riot girl early grungy like just angry fucking band and the last show that we played at red flag they were the opener and i was standing there watching them i looked at my drummer i'm like well we could fucking go home <laughs> yeah <laughs> they, stole they the killed show. it and like the lead the, the, the uh, two guitars bass a drummer lead singer and the lead singer she fucking murdered it like nice she can 
sing so well. It's, yeah, it was mind blowing. And then like that's cool to see young talent still. I heard her talking to somebody. She's like, oh yeah, I'm going to so and so college in the fall as a freshman. I'm like, what? You're yeah. holy shit. You're 18. You're 18. 18. Jesus. <laughs> and just killing it. It was. And then there's another band that's Grip Slime, the singer guitarist. I'm friends with his mom, and like they're doing like melvin's type shit oh god like sludgy all hell yeah all over the place and i'm like what the fuck is going on like how did these bands even know what to listen to right, right. how to right how to reference this to get to where they're at now it's it's fucking cool as shit you know it's really cool i went to the failure show about a month ago now and there was like a lot of really young kids there and I, the person they had run to the merch table was asking you yeah, how'd you hear about failure how do you know about failure because um, they've been around since basically like 89 ish right and (laughs) and these kids were like oh i found them on spotify you know so like i guess they're coming up on people's daily playlists and playlists and discovery whatever yeah Yeah. right hitting that they got to be tapping into somebody's algorithms here right yeah get that exposure because i mean i only knew about failure because i fucking heard their single stuck on you at fucking six flags because they were on warner Brothers. oh is it, is it that band that you're yeah talking that about? i talked okay. about yeah that's fucking rad they were pumping them because they were on warner brother records and they would right. you know put you know whatever those during those little weight yeah on those little tvs and yeah. the waiting line so but and I, I i fell off of my knowledge of them you know because it's for the ninja it's yeah. yeah exactly i think it was actually for the screaming eagles where i saw them it was either that or the bumper it might have been the bumper, bumper cars. cars yeah i remember those tvs it was over in the same vicinity but yeah it was a big ass box tvs 19 inches but they were like hanging from the ceiling on this big right. ass right like, right With oh yeah big boom. enclosure and shit yeah yeah it was almost like they had to have a fucking forklift boom to <laughs> mount them on because they were so right. heavy <laughs> yeah <laughs> well, that, re- that reminds me when i was in high school um me and my best friend who's still my best friend my birthday is july 22nd his birthday is july 24th so every year his dad would take the both of us to six flags for our birthdays it's what bobby wanted to do for his birthday and he always brought me and there was one year we rode the ninja 19 times in a row holy holy moly. shit and then i stayed the night at his house in st jen that night and when we got back i could not sleep because i had vertigo yeah i, was gonna I say, would imagine i'm surprised yeah. you didn't have a stiff neck too <laughs> i would close my eyes and it like I would just start the track over. Oh, yeah. man. Yeah, I couldn't do it. Yeah, it was insane. I don't know why we did it. I could imagine, dude. There was nobody in line. They're like, you want to go again? We're like, sure. I, I, it's refreshing to hear that there's a lot of younger people out because, you know, we're we're kind of cut down, stuck down here in kind of the Farmington scene, right. that tunnel, and there's Nothing. obviously not a whole lot going on down here. There needs to be something down there because, like with that episode with Doug, like, at one point it was insane there. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It definitely was. It was life for a while, man. <laughs> yeah. And, like, even whenever I jumped back on the scene in, like, 2007, 2008, 2009 whenever dave Starr and johnny barton were doing stuff like once a month we'd get 200 kids at bob's for an all-day thing and it was fucking awesome it was insane and now the bob shows were so good do kids just not like guitar music now or no and th- this is just my quick theory on all of that because i saw a lot of it firsthand I, I did everything i ran shows i ran sound i ran security i ran doors i played music i booked bands you know, I, I, I could see it from kind of a couple different perspectives, but there were some bad actors that kind of got into the scene. 
Okay. That put a foot on an artery. Right. And then there was a lot of religious pressure from a lot of the churches that were nearby were called mm-hmm. in complaints. So that put another foot on a different artery. Which in return puts pressure on the city uh, on to the put pressure city on the police. The right. Yeah, so the police kept coming and, and they weren't finding anything at first, but as shows went on and they kept coming to shows and trying to find trouble, then they started finding people with drugs or this or that. So then they'd want to shut the show down. Was that whatever that Joe dude had, Bob? Yeah, Joe. Yep, Joe, that was kind of the start of the... I mean, a lot of people might even take it back to Mancuso taking over the Rock House, which that's a fair point as well. Yeah, I mean... There was some allegations of uh, cocaine being distributed throughout the area as well. So the police, (laughs) yeah, I believe the police got involved on a few occasions there. So that was pretty much the end of him as well in in that venue. When the parents start seeing that and then they're like, my kid's not going there. Right. Oh, yeah, for sure. Right. They get it in the news. They hear it on a police scanner. Yeah. Yeah. It's a small town. It, it doesn't take much. And honestly, that room was too big for Farmington. Yeah. That back room where he did everything, that was, that was way too big. Really, they could have just opened it up in the front end. Yeah, move the pool tables out of the way and put the bands on that glass wall. Yeah, exactly right. Yeah, it would have been fine. And I, I believe that at some point on a few occasions they did do smaller shows like that over the years, Open, not in great amount. Right. I, I know we played an outdoor show, and I do not know why we had to play an outdoor show. You remember that? We, we play, did play yeah. outdoor. Um, I remember seeing by level there, and they had to do it outside because they did not have bathrooms. Maybe that's what that it might. Was. It might have been something like that. And the city ordinance was like you could have an outside event and rent a porta potty. So Mancusa rented a porta potty. But yeah, I saw by level there in the parking lot. This would have been like 2006 ish. That'd yeah, be the same time right. we played yeah. and played outside. It was so. Probably the same show. <laughs> I don't remember playing with by level though. I don't remember. Maybe mm-hmm. maybe it was the same weekend though. But yeah, around that time he did a lot of outdoor, outdoor shows. Did you know he got sued by Kitty? Uh, Seriously, that doesn't surprise I did not me. Know that. Yes, he booked them in Farmington. Terrible turnout. Took the door and bounced. Oh, yeah. that yeah. sounds right. Though. So whatever label they're on, RCA or whatever it was, like took him to court for ten thousand dollars. Their guarantee was ten grand. Well, that was Shit. stupid to begin with. He would have never been able to pay it, even with the door and a decent turnout. Because nobody's going to drive from St. Louis or anywhere to Farmington to see Kitty. Right. Well, I think he ended up. He had that at Outlaws at the time, wasn't it? Mm. He had, for some reason, he couldn't have it at the Rock House. This was before. This was before. I think this was before the Rock House. I forget where it's supposed to be, but he moved it to the dugout. The dugout. Remember the dugout? Which was over uh, by Sea Barn. Yep. Acro- yeah. Yeah, across yeah. the street from. Oh my. By the sports God. complex. Yes. Oh my yes. God. Yeah. I can't believe he had yep. it there. Yeah. Yeah. It's now the school board. Yeah. Oh my God, Jesus! Yeah. My stepdad and his friend did some security there sometimes on weekends. You know when the dugout moved off of cars to the bigger building. Yeah, but yeah, so some bad actors like Mancuso was uh, certainly a culprit that was named, and and Joe and his family, he got Dude. he and his mom got busted. Oh yeah, for a few years distro, back. Yeah, and they were like within 400 yards of a school on top of it and Jesus. shit like that. Right. Yeah, so that was there for a while. Every time Worlds would play over there. We would get the cops called on us constantly for being too loud. Yeah. That's the only reason we were too loud. Whatever Dave, Johnny, Fro, and I were doing shows there, like Joe would just get tired of the headache. He would get tired of selling pizza and call the fucking cops. Well, that doesn't surprise me. He's like, I'm tired of doing stuff and just call the cop. Like, dude, you're making more money than you do on a normal Friday. What are you... Right. The show that we had with that All Parallels band in Auburn Serene, they're definitely like their first big show that they had. 
and they were way overwhelmed. It was completely apparent. They couldn't keep up with the food. Right. You know, the police got called. Like right. we were like, I think on our very last song of the set, we've actually got a video on YouTube still yet floating around where you can see and the police lights are in the background of the glass. The glass, the, yeah. Because we were playing inside because it was so cold outside. So. Right. And there, there was one show, there was one summer show that we played K-Tet when I was in that band. And I had gotten the Haddonfields to come down from St. Louis to headline. And like before they even went on, like Joe called the cops. And then like, you know, Dave divided up the fucking door money between all the bands. And like, I just gave them ours. I'm like, you guys drove here. I'm sorry you didn't get to play. It was like, it's, yeah, I I still don't understand it. Put you in a shitty spot. I still don't understand the rationale of him. Like there's 200 kids here that are hungry and thirsty. Eh, I'm done. And just. Right. Well. uh, He was also also a piece of shit. It became evident yeah, he had he he had other business endeavors as well that he was covering. Well, when he had Bob's, I saw I would see fistfights between the employees all the time. Oh yeah, because yeah, it was trash. At the time, I lived like three blocks from there, and they had cheap beer, so I just walked down there and like hang out with Johnny and get hammered, and like the other two would just start fighting each other out of nowhere. I'm like, what the fuck is going on, dude? He's like, I don't know. It's every day. I still get a paycheck. It doesn't matter. <laughs> He's like, you want another beer? Yeah. I'm like, I forgot he was working there during that. Yeah, and then. After Joe moved, Johnny, Cato, Michael, and I tried to reopen it with Bob. And, like, I mean, the damage was already done. Like, we had a few good nights. Like, we had Firebird Suite coming to play inside. And that's whenever we were painting, like, the ceiling tiles and all that stuff. I don't remember that. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah. I came over and hung out with you guys. Yeah, that lasted about six months. And then I think we got paid twice, and we just stopped showing up. Like... Michael and I actually, Michael Barton, Johnny's little brother, like we, there's around Christmas, it was like the 22nd, Bob came down, he's like, is there anything going on? And we're like, no, he's like, well, we're closing early. We're like, cool, pay us. He's like, what do you mean? I'm like, you, we're like, you owe us for like four weeks of work. And he's like, well, what do we, what do I owe you? I'm like, you owe us at least, each at least 200 bucks. And this was at like three in the afternoon. So he wrote us a check. And we went straight to the bank and cashed the motherfuckers before he could put a stop payment on it. We're like, dude, this guy is like people. Different people have different ideas about Bob, but from working there with him, like it was a losing, it was a losing battle, and he'd fucking slit your throat before he'd slit his own. Right, for sure. You get to know him a little bit more intimately. It was, it was kind of, I hate to say it, but it was one of those things where I saw that he passed. I'm like, well, that sucks. The dude still owes me like 400 bucks, but yeah. I hear you. I know, it just left a bad taste in my mouth. I never really understood. There's a lot of, I think people are more romanticizing the good times that they were having there versus mm-hmm. the man himself. You know what I mean? Hey. Like, I don't think anybody really knew him intimately. No. He was idolized in in some respects. I've seen some people even, you know, kind of paint him with that glorification that you're alluding to. And Right, it was. I mean, he let things happen at his place. I mean, he right. made money. It wasn't like he... You know, he took from the money that was collected at the door. Right. He, he didn't set aside the fact sales. that he was a piece of garbage. He didn't give a fuck about the scene. <laughs> he just wanted the money from the pizza is what it comes down to. Absolutely. Except right. I did hear a story that Dave Starr told me. He's Dave came in one day to talk to him about setting up another show. And Bob was like, hey, I was watching Saturday Night Live Saturday. And he's like, that uh, that one man, the the Fall Down Boys or whatever whatever it was. And he's like, Fall Out Boys? He's like, yeah, didn't, didn't they, they were on there. Didn't they play here? He's like, yeah. He's like. Huh, that's cool. <laughs> and he's like, it'll be three hundred dollars to rent the patio. And Dave's like, oh what? God. How did it go from fifty to three hundred? He's like, well, the fall down boy or whatever they are played here. Oh, yeah. Jesus. So he was just, God. 
kind of a shady fucking dude in Farmington that was trying to hold on. And then I don't know exactly if you ever worked with Joe directly about doing shows there, but I, I, I received to recall that negotiation there. Uh, anytime I did shows with them, it was just, I told them what the band's guarantees were, everything else they just kept outside of paying the bands, you know, this is, it's this much for a sound guy. You know, I hired Zach a few Mm -hmm. times to do sound and stuff there. So like Zach got paid, Zach got a beer tag and then, you know, the bands, whatever they, particularly the touring bands, of course, got the meat of it. But those guys definitely made money from the door. Oh yeah. Like they're, they're making hand over fist and I don't know why he, again, I don't know why he would just cut it off early. And we were, Josh and I specifically were very intimately involved with the Nature's Cup operations there. Josh worked there. I would do all the shows and doors. I missed that whole, I missed that whole fucking thing. I was not around for that. And I lived up above it. Is that when you and Brandon lived above it? Yep. We we had a lot of good times there. A lot of debauchery. (laughs) For the record, I would like to point out that at Pizza Hut, I never threw a pizza at Brandon. (laughs) He likes to embellish things. For the record. I just fired him on the spot. Oh, uh, okay. Well, he does have a tangent for bucking authority, right. regardless of whether he's on the right or wrong. I will never forget this. I was assistant manager at the time. We just got through a Friday night rush. One of the other cooks was like, hey, can I take trash out? And I'm like, yeah, go ahead, which means I'm going to go out and smoke a fucking cigarette because we just got our ass handed to us for four and a half hours. I'm like, yeah, that's fine. And as soon as they walk out the door, Brandon's like, can I go and break? I'm like, because he was closer. I'm like, Wait till they get back from taking out trash. It'll be three minutes. And he's like, they're smoking. I know that's why they went outside. They're smoking. Can I go on break? I'm like, no, Brandon, just wait till they get back. It'll be five minutes. You're going to suck down a cigarette and come back and start doing breakup. Fine. 30 seconds later, can I go on break? Dude. <laughs> yes, just fucking go on break. That's fine. I'll handle this. He's like, what's going to be like that about it? I'm like, dude, you've asked me like six times to go on break. Just go on break. Go on break. I don't give a fuck. The rush is over. I can handle it. He's like, no, I'll wait. <laughs> and he's like, man, I sure am hungry. I'm like, dude, go on break. Just fucking go on break. I'm tired of hearing you talk. Go on break. <laughs> and he, and he looked him. at me and he's Get like, him. why don't you shut the fuck up? I'm like, oh, whoa. I like, whoa. I'm like, I looked at him like, why don't you get the fuck out of my store? Yeah. Good time. And he just, he, just yeah. like, he was shocked. He looked at me. He's like, I'm going to call Mary. He was our store manager. Keep in mind, this is Friday at 9.30. I'm like, yeah, bud, go ahead and call her. Tell me how that works out. So he goes back and calls her at home at 9.30 on a Friday. He's like, Jason just fired me. She's like, well, sounds like you don't have a job. (laughs) (laughs) I was standing right there. And he hung up. He looked at me. He's like, fuck you. I'm like, love you, dude. See ya. Love you. Yeah, have a good one. Oh, and also, like, his first day there, he walks in, we're like, and one of the other drivers looked up and was like, what's up, Eric Foreman? Oh, God. <laughs> so since, so like, yeah, from then, was... like, he was just Foreman at Pizza Hut. Yeah, he didn't He didn't care for that. We used to give him that. Topher. That, yeah, we used to call him Topher Grace. For a time, I even wrote Eric Foreman on his fucking time card. We always had a r- running inside joke that he, Ridge, and I, because we were kind of like the three amigos, we would uh, we would get a, uh, a, a group tattoo. It would be Eric Foreman riding a bear. With a bag of brown sugar in his hand. Oh, yeah. Because Ridge was brown sugar, he was Eric Foreman, and I was That's Bear. That's fucking so. awesome. That's awesome. That'd be a good tattoo. still have I'm, I'm still down. I will happily get it. Especially I, where I would like to get it is on my ass cheek. In only sensual situations will it be busted right, up. Right, right, right. <laughs>
And then I, I remember back from his episode where he said he walked into Kato's base and he's like, I look over and there's fucking Jason Hill. I'm like, where the fuck am I at? I remember like him walking yeah. down the stairs. I'm like, what the fuck is Foreman doing here? <laughs> you know, because he was like, yeah. your guys' age, you guys are like 10 years younger than me. I'm like, where the fuck did this kid go? Okay, fuck. I guess he's cool. I thought he was kind of cool before, but he pissed me off. So I fired him, but yeah. Yeah, Brandon's one of my favorite people. Yeah, then you guys stopped in and stayed the night with Brandon in Colorado at one point, didn't you? It was after my wife graduated hygiene school, dental hygiene, for her board. Initially, she had picked a bad patient that was that didn't meet the criteria, so she quote-unquote failed it. But the next board exam was in Denver. And I was like, well, shit, I know a dude that lives out there. There you go. So we drive out there, which is the worst goddamn drive in the fucking world. Yeah. We split it up for two days. I've driven worse. And then that afternoon, my buddy, who was her patient, flies in. I go and pick him up from the airport. And then Friday night, we go and meet up with Brandon. And he takes us to some fucking bar that's down there. It's called, it's called like Funiji's or Fungi. Like, I don't remember, but it was. Fuji's and Funions. Like, like he just pull up, he's like, I'm like, how do you, what, the, what is this, Funijis, Funajis? He's like, he's like, I don't know, I just call it fun, you guys. I looked at him, like, oh, yeah, it does say fun, you guys. I'm like, all right, cool. Whatever. <laughs> so, like, we hang out there and get fucking hammered and start driving back from, who was what, in Colorado Springs? We drive back from Colorado Springs to Denver. Close to. And right after we picked up my buddy that was my wife's spacesuit. He's, we're like, all right, what's the first thing you want to do? He's like, we're going to a fucking dispensary. So we go to a dispensary, we buy a bunch of shit, and like driving back, Ryan and I just start smoking, and we're getting fucking ripped. And we stayed at a hotel by the airport, so there's tons of fast food places. She's like, all right, what do you guys want? And we're like, KFC. Everything. So we pull up. <laughs> Everything. For, my wife's a, a fucking vegan. We pull up, and she's driving in order, and she's like, what do you want? We're like, 12-piece bucket with mashed potatoes, gravy, and slaw. And she's like, so she orders this. And we're like driving back to her hotel. And she's like, yeah, so there's, you know, like a little area downstairs with a table and stuff. You guys, if you, you know, if you want to hang out down there while you guys eat. And my body, Roddy, just leans up from the backseat. He's like, no, no one needs to see what's about to happen right now. <laughs> <laughs> so, so we go Hell back yeah. to her room and it's just he and I like huddled over this bucket of chicken, just shoving it in her mouth. And like, we're like spooning out with our own individual sports, potatoes and dipping it in gravy and just... Hell yeah. Oh, damn, dude. Did you get some of them biscuits, oh, yeah, too? Yeah, yeah. Oh, you gotta get the biscuits, and then, Choke yeah. me, daddy, with them yeah, biscuits. And then the next day, she did her exam. It went fine. And that night was the first CM Punk UFC fight. And Brandon, like, knew I was a fucking wrestling nerd. So, like, he's like, hey, I ordered that fight. I'm like, dude, for real? He's like, yeah. He's like, come down. He's like, I'm gonna barbecue. Have some of my friends over or whatever. So we go down there and get drunk and eat a bunch of barbecue and watch CM Punk get fucking pwned. Yeah, dude, that was so bad. Was that the Mickey Gill or Gilly fight? Was that? I think so, yeah. yeah. Where he got tapped. I, did, I, I only watched UFC to see that fight because I wanted to see what CM Punk Right, I'm like, eh, what's this jabroni? Oh, he got... Because I'm not a UFC guy, really. I mean, I admire the skill and stuff. I, I was for a while, like... Like the early Dana White stuff. Like I remember watching like the first stuff like back in the nineties and it was fucking insane. I was gonna say that yeah. is what I grew up on. So I watched my dad got it the first five on pay per view and then after that he would What was that one dude's name? Joe Kwando, the guy that got 
that fucking tapped out from nut shots? Uh, it was like I don't UFC remember, two or three, uh, like when it was still just open weight, just basically a barroom fight in a cage. And he was fighting this some some dude, and like this Joe San guy, like made his own martial art. It was called Joe Sando. Like he had all like a full gi and everything, and was like flipping around and being a douchebag. And this one dude punched him, dropped him, grabbed him by his legs, and put his knees to his ears, and starts punching him in the balls. Just over and over. Yeah. Uh, until he tapped out. I'd yeah. tap out. I'd be like, I'm done. The ball the ball <laughs> punching stuff, yeah, that definitely needed to go. It took like 12 punches. He's like, da, 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 da. Kind of looking at Big John. He's like, are you going to call this? Or just like over yeah. and over again. Yeah, do I just need to kick, kick him in the balls? <laughs> the, the things that I remember more prominently from the early ones, of course, is just anything Hoist Gracie or Ken Shamrock. Because it was just, it was always down to those two in the yeah. end. Yeah. You know, there was some people that had some impressive. Oh, and Dan Severn. Further. Yeah, well, Dan Severn got in about, I don't know if he was any earlier than four, but I think he was definitely in by six. And then Dan Severn and Ken Shamrock had their kind of bouts back and forth as well and then dan severn also did the nwa stuff so yes he's a former nwa world champion and so is shamrock well, shamrock was the very first champion on tna so a lot of people don't realize that but yes yeah, shamrock even now a few years back uh came back to impact it was a little bit right before they inducted him to his hall of fame really uh, i guess deal but but yeah he even came back and did a little bit of a limited run i think he did uh i want to say it was sammy callahan a feud with him, uh, okay. but I'm probably forgetting some other people that he kind of feuded back and forth with. But yeah, and then The Rock inducted him for TNA. R- the- oh, wow! Into their Hall of Fame. Dwayne. The Rock. Yep. Wow. Yep. Dwayne Johnson. He recorded something for him. Hmm. Man, I bet he had to get like express written permission from Vinnie Mac. You're The Rock. You do whatever the fuck. I you mean, want, that's fair. He did buy the name, so fuck to it. Do. Yeah. yeah. I mean, at the point where he can where he can buy your wrestling name from Vince McMahon, yeah, you gotta do whatever right. the fuck you want. I mean, he he fucking bought the XFL from him too. This is weird. <laughs> yeah. Oh, do you see St. Louis is still getting a team? Yeah. Yep. Oh yeah. I want to go to the Battle Hawks for sure. Oh, yeah. Me too. We man. wanted with the, they got it, the season got canceled before we could go, but we were definitely we were going. They were they were getting ready to open the yeah. second level of the dome yes. for yeah. fans yeah. because it was so crazy, and then the pandemic hit. And what's crazy is like. St. Louis is like a football town and also a wrestling town. Yeah. Oh, so yeah. I wonder what the breakdown was. Like football fans. Right. How many wrestling fans? Opposed to marks. Like how many marks are going just because it's. Hey, color me with both brushes if you want. <laughs> <laughs> I don't care. Yeah. I love that. Uh, we played that show with you guys at the Planned Parenthood fundraiser. Yeah. I think this was like 2017 or 2018. Uh, that would have been. I know it was in June. Yeah. That was at. Uh, at uh, yeah, San, San Lou. Lou. Yeah. That was a fun. We raised. Oh. Fuck ton of money for that. That was one of my favorite shows that I've ever played, quite frankly. It was a good time. You were great. That was a great fucking room. Four hands yeah. beer on hand. My friend Nicole helped me put that together, and I think for that we raised over twenty five hundred dollars. That's awesome. Hell yeah, dude. At one point early in the day, like before bands even started, like there's an older gentleman that was probably early sixties, early to mid sixties, walked in and he's like, Is this where the Planned Parenthood thing is? We're like, Yeah. He's like, All right. He's like he's like, What time does the band start? We're like, not for a few hours. He's like we're like, but, you know, there's different vendors and stuff that have stuff for sale. All that goes towards. He's like, no, no, no. Here, I just brought down a check. He's like, that's, I just wanted to give to the people that were in charge. We're like, okay, well, cool. We appreciate it. He's like, we're like, do you want, like, there's food out back or you want anything? He's like, no, no, I'm going to go home now. And like, he turned around and walked out. And then we look at it and it was like a check for $500. We're like, oh, holy wow. that's awesome. fuck. Like it was, 
Yeah, it was really cool because that was right after. Um, That's incredible. Missouri tried to like defund Planned Parenthood right. Right. back then. So that was, yeah, probably about 17, 18. That was going on about the same time that Congress was trying to hold up funds too. Yeah. Uh, for Planned Parenthood specifically. So federal aid to states as well. So we were getting it at two fronts. We were getting it in yeah. Missouri and we were getting it at a federal level too. And that was like towards the tail end of Suicide Dive, the band that I had with Garrett and Tyler. So that's a that's a great name for a band. Right? Yeah. <laughs> Except we fucked up because we weren't wrestling themed. God damn. If I was going to ask you about your setup and what type of setup that you're running to. So I see you got an acoustic head there in the background, Ampeg. Is that an 810 cab? Acoustic uh, 370. It's Kenny's old one from Fister. After he got his white SVT classic that his wife bought him, he's like, I don't need this. Do you want it? I'm like, um, yeah. So he sold me that. Um, I've had that 810 since 2008. Uh, I think it's, I don't know for sure, but I think it might be borderline 90s SLM 810. Okay. And then that is a 89-90-91 GNO. It's a Frankenstein. I oh, hell yeah, dude. Don't remember which is which, but the body and the neck are from 89 and 90. And then the back plate, the serial number is a 91 that I got at the pawn shop in Park Hills for $300. Yeah, they had no fucking oh idea. Awesome. Yeah. yeah, I like to stop in there occasionally. Oh, yeah. And no fucking clue what it is. And then I got a 90s Turbo Rat that has been base mounted, and then a dark glass clone that my buddy Lewis from the Haddonfields made. I need to get my rat mounted that I have on my, a rat on my pedal board, but uh, it's not quite. I, I've always, been, you know, kind of my crew's always been heavy on the Keeley mod. Right. Whenever you're running a rat through bass, man, that's that's definitely getting kind of that razor bass sound for sure. The way it's modded, like if I fuck with it and turn the the gnarl up too much, like it almost starts to cut out. Yeah. Like it's fucking gross. Then if I stack that with that uh, dark glass clone, it's just a feedback machine. Like if I'm not touching the strings, it's like. Wee! I'm like this is fucking cool. So yeah, that's definitely a ear punisher too. But I don't. I the 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 fucked up thing is like I don't need that for either band. But I'm like, if I ever join a band where I need feedback, I got it. You got it. And I blame well, Levi for that. It sounds like a good investment. <laughs> <laughs> Once I get it fixed, my backup bass head is a 1976 Ampeg V4 guitar head. I think it's like 100 watts. It's fucking stupid. It weighs like 100 fucking pounds. As much as a Volkswagen? Yeah. <laughs> Fucking damn near. It's ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> so you just run the two pedals? Well, then I have a, I have an EQ that has, it's a 12-band that it has on the, all the way to the left is like a volume boost that I run full. And then on the right side is a gain that I run about halfway. So even my clean is a little gross. Yeah, a little chunky. Yeah, it's got some fuzz on it. Yeah, that, that's a thing, dude. I can almost, unless the music is specific to that sound, I can almost not stand hearing a bass that's not even just a tiny bit distorted. If it's too clean, right. Because otherwise it can, even nowadays, especially with the way that things have gotten so digitized, it can get lost in the mix. Mm-hmm. If you don't have some type of unique sound stand right, on your bass. As a bass player, that bugs the fuck out of me. I'm like, where, where, what's, what are you guys doing? Like. I don't know. Yeah, and definitely. like, I had always played clean until I got that uh, V4. And it just had like, I mean, it's a guitar head. I'm playing bass here, so it's going to overdrive naturally. And I found it in my buddy's right. fucking closet. One time at band practice, I play, I'm like, holy shit, this sounds fucking rad. And then I've, since then, I've been a dirty bass player. There you go. <laughs> Before that, I had like a B2R and something else. Dirty bass, man. That, that, that'll make all the difference in the world. And it also helps, too, whenever you are having some of those member changes or you're short a member. It helps fill out the sound, too. I need to take my 
and pegged the V4 to dock at Silver Ballroom. Have him work on it. He was, back in the day, he was at, he worked at SLM. He was the Ampeg rep for Riverport. Nice. So he had like Very nice. a storage garage full of shit that he would try to, that he would show all the touring bands and try to get them to buy. Like, oh, you like that? Oh, it's almost this much, blah, blah, blah. One night we got him drunk at the ballroom. He started telling stories. And uh, Steven Tyler tried to walk off with like, some crazy ampeg like reverb combo amp and he's like what what the fuck are you doing he's like oh i thought it was mine he's like yeah for seventeen hundred dollars it's yours that's a fucking bitching amp he's right. like oh <laughs> well i'm sorry not steven Tyler, joe perry like it was aerosmith playing and joe perry played through it joe perry and loved it he's like but not seventeen hundred dollars loved it he's like no dude fuck you he's like that comes out of my check if it disappears like this is a demo garage. He's like, I could order one. Yeah. He's seen all kinds of crazy shit out there. Uh, Ronnie, my guitarist in Grave Neighbors, actually bought a Dan Armstrong uh, wood body from him several years ago for like 300 bucks, and he had it in the basement of the ballroom. Oh, wow. Like, he had just sold one to somebody, and Ronnie was just like, do you have any more of those? He's like, oh, I think I have a red one. He's like, how much do you want for it? He's like, I don't know, 300 bucks. He was just trying to clear shit out of his basement at the ballroom. And Ronnie's like, "Yeah, don't move, and walked over to the ATM and took 300 bucks, and he's like, there. He's like, all right, let me go find it. Yeah. And, like, it was still in plastic in the bag inside the hard shell case. Wow, wow, wow. And it had, like, the... That's incredible, man. It had the pickup that you could take out and change out. Both pickups were worth it. It was fucking insane. What a deal. Yeah, man, you could you could make some serious coin if you tried to flip that on reverb immediately. Oh, now, yeah, like he, I don't know what he ever did with it. He's had a half a dozen guitars since then. He had a he had a Green Gretsch that was fucking beautiful and sounded great. Got rid of that. He had a an American Telly that he had for about four months and got rid of that. Like he just goes through fucking guitars, but yeah, it's. You know, back on that GNL talk, I actually recently got myself G uh, GNL. Um, it's one of their basically their knockoffs of. Um, I'm pretty sure they call them the Donnellys, but they're supposed to be like surfer guitars. Uh, that GNL does or uh, Doheny's, excuse me. But yeah, they get the large soap bar pickups. I got me one of those. That's uh, got the tremolo. Oh yeah. Bridge on it, but those are incredible, dude. Those are like a shoegaze machine right there. Like they just fucking they're so wild the range of sound that they have. I played the piss out of that whenever I, after I got it, but yeah, dude, GNO makes a fine product. Of course, that's the Fender folks, or was I should say. It's Leo. It was, yeah, Leo what, that was after that was after Fender before Music Man, right? No, he went uh, straight to Music Man, and then he went to GNO. Okay. So yeah, he he had that '70s run on Music Man okay. on most of their products, and that's why that '70s run of Music Man guitars and heads and all that stuff is so sought after jesus christ yeah shit i've been in several bands that's been through three different music man heads i think levi actually the music man head just shit out on him that he had finally. oh really fuck i played yeah i think he told ridge and uh, that was a fantastic head for guitar or bass yeah it's something fucking levi i and uh another dude playing drums were in a band for about three months before the drummer flaked on us and i played bass through the music man through a big muff like a guitar big muff and we were down tuned to like C. Oh God. And I'm like, dude, I can't do this. I'm like, well, something's got to give. He's like, what do you mean? I'm like, because everything I play sounds like a fucking fart. 
And Lego's like, <laughs> <laughs> as fast as I play, like if I play that fast, that low, that much distortion, distortion is just, just I'm like, I'm like, you can't even tell what I'm fucking doing. It worked out to where that guy quit, so I didn't have to break Levi's heart. I can't remember if Levi recorded a video and showed Ridge and I, but I feel like I did see it perform because I know you were playing bass on something that he showed me. And it was shortly yeah, before it was he right before he went to New Orleans. It might have been about that. Josh quit to go tour with American Wrestler, and then Levi's like, and then Levi's like, that's right, that's who it was. He's like, I'm leaving to go to New Orleans. I'm like, but fuck, okay. Yeah, I forgot all about that. Yeah, and like some of the songs that we did, like he used for uh, what's the name of his first band down there? Is it Paprika now? The band before that was Crossed. 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 Yeah, there was a couple of riffs that he had from back then that he used in Crossed. It was fucking rad. He's like, do you remember this? I'm like, dude, that was like fucking six, four years ago. No, I fucking love that kid. I miss him. I need to get back down there to see him. Yeah, he's a good kid for sure. I actually talked to him about being on the podcast, so he's going to be on a future episode here, hopefully. Run his, his new band, Paprika. Yeah, they're fucking good. Oh, yeah. Levi's an insane musician. He's not going to be in a shitty band at this point. No, right. no, 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 no. I feel like most of us, anything we do isn't going to be terrible. He's one of those wild ones, kind of like a Jason Asbury. He can do it all and do it well. Yeah, and it was fucking stupid, ain't it? Yeah, I know. <laughs> Jason drives me nuts. Dude, the first time I saw him play, he was like 14 playing outside of Buffalo Wild Wings with Justin Brown. Yep. Played on drums and just fucking murdering. I was trying to remember who I saw him play with, and that, that's who it was, Justin Brown. I think he played at Long Hall. The first time I saw him, about 2009-ish. Right. And I think they played that battle for Fear Before that we played as well, that everybody got fucking ripped off on. Some band drove up with, like, a bus full of people. Yeah, I don't remember who they were from, like, some town that was, like, 200 miles away or something. Right. You know? They got, like, a school bus rented and brought up, like, kids from the school. That's (laughs) one way to pad your fucking door your votes oh yeah dude there's no question that well this is just me sounding bitter this is friends talking here so like whenever i came back into the scene like 2007 2008 like that's whenever hardcore was king in farmington like worlds and whatever brandon was doing and like Nick Fulton had a hardcore band. And like, all right, cool. Fuck. There was Shooter. Yeah, and Shooter. Oh my God. Shooter, shooter yeah. was fucking stupid good. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Shooter was awesome. We played several shows with those boys. Because in my head, when I heard hardcore, I'm like, okay, cool. This is going to be like, you know, Bad Brains and fucking Ian Mackay. And then it was just all breakdowns. I'm like, well, this isn't hardcore, no. but I'm okay with it. I mean, it is and it isn't. You're right. And then there was like that weird straight edge contingent that was basically garrett and company and i remember like i even asked garrett about this when i was a band with him i was like do you remember the time that i asked you when i asked you where straight edge even came from and you said no i don't know he's like he's like i don't know what <laughs> straight edge, bro. i'm like goddamn little kids I'm like okay it's fucking i explained the whole thing about minor threat and he just looked at me he's like cool i'm like i'm like what? Well, when the first time that you saw him, it, it had to be well before because he's actually the person who told me what straight edge was because I had. So like I came back, I went to Boy State down in uh, central Missouri. I got selected for Boy State for school. It was between my junior and my senior year. So I went to that and I come back and Michael Jones comes over to my house because we used to we used to be best friends and he'd come over to my house constantly. We'd play music and 
he showed up he said uh while you were gone i got in a band and i was like oh you did and i was like well with who and he said with garrett and ridge and he's like you know the next guys i'm like yeah i know them and he's like do you like them and i was like i well that's a weird thing i was like i don't really know them i mean i i play little dribblers with ridge back in the day and I was like, uh, you know, one of the jocks at school was picking on Ridge whenever he transferred over from Bellevue or Caledonia, and I ended up, like, sticking up for him. I said, so I, I guess you could say I like him. You know, <laughs> I don't – where's this leading? He was like, well, uh, we got a show at the Rock House. It's a battle of the bands. It's Friday, and this is like a Tuesday. He's like, can you come over and practice and learn the songs on bass and play with us? And I was like, sure, I can play bass, uh, but who's playing drums? He's like, well, I'm playing drums. <laughs> and I was like, "You're playing Wait, drums. Why, why was he playing drums whenever he was talking to a drummer?" To play I don't bass? know. And he's really good at string. And he said, "What the fuck?" Right. Yeah. Right. And he said, "Well, that's what I play." And I'm like, "Okay." And I said, "Well, what kind of music is it?" And he's like, "Oh, it's like hardcore." And I didn't really know what hardcore was at the time. I mean, I had heard hardcore bands, but I didn't know that right. that's what it was called. You know, like I was like aware of like Black Flag and and stuff like that. Right. You know? That's how I was too. I was like, "Oh, cool, hardcore bands," and like, "Whoa, this isn't." There was a lot of kind of breakdown stuff and that sort of thing in that band. Yeah, and we were a bunch of kids with like whatever. And what band was that? Was that was that like a first iteration of World? That or? was a uh, in a way. I mean, everything's been kind of a revisit of the similar people involved, but it was called At Point Blank, but then it was changed to To My Grave uh -huh. at one point, and then Garrett ended up doing his own. It didn't last too long, but that was the first band I was in. And uh, so I ended up getting with those guys and playing a battle of the bands at the Rock House, and we won that night. And I was like, oh shit, it's this easy. Like, you just show up and right. you win shit, <laughs> you know? <laughs> and Well, fuck, I'm a rock star. Yeah. And I think we got money, and I was like, it's weird to get paid to do stuff because I had done competitions and stuff before and never gotten any money and right, right. or anything like that. Like, I did, like, you know, county fairs and battle of the bands and that sort of stuff. And I'm like, damn like we got money and we're like a bunch of straight edge kids let's go run up a tab at fucking steak and shake right. and then go hang out till right. four o'clock in the morning watching music videos and eliminate eliminate degrassi <laughs> yeah so but yeah that's that's kind of where i first heard because like i said garrett had with permanent marker put x's on his hands and ridge and, and michael and i'm like what are you guys doing and they're like oh we're straight edge and i'm like well, what's that and they're like well we don't drink or do drugs you know have promiscuous sex or do drugs or this or that and i was like don't drink don't drug don't fuck yeah and i was like well the, the fucking thing got squirreled it's right. a hardcore yeah and eat. some of them were dabbling with being vegetarian or not which i was i was a vegetarian vegan for seven years one or the other nice but yeah so i was like well i don't do those things so i guess i'm straight edge and they're like okay so like you know then i like you didn't have to put a label on it you know right, right. but i was also like a sheltered kid at the time so didn't really know any better yeah that, that didn't last too long shit. for any of us except for garrett garrett's still straight edge yeah and, and that, i was just gonna say that like all those kids back then that were they were they claimed straight edge and x stuff and shit like all of them because brandon was straight edge too yeah i think he was at one point but that was before i was friends with him yeah I think he was when he worked with me at Pizza Hut. Like he that sounds right. Claimed Edge and all this other stuff. Like everyone from back then that was straight edge has broken except fucking Garrett. Yeah. Garrett has definitely stuck with it. Yeah. So props What's to good him for him? That. Which I hope he sticks with it because he has a giant X on one of his hands. Yeah. Well. <laughs> like we were in a band together when he was getting ready to get there. He's like, I'm going to do it. I'm like, do what? He's like, I'm going to do the X on my hand. I'm like, bro, top of your hand? He's like, yeah. I'm like, that's a big step for tattoos. Like, once you go hand tattoos, you can't go back. Right. No. He's like, yeah. I'm like, 
I'm like, plus, that's a straight edge tattoo. Like, what happens if you're never? Yeah. He's like, I won't, br- I won't break. I'm like, all right, dude, you got to do you. Right. And then he gets it the day of a show. Like, we meet up here at the studio to load out. He's like, I got my tattoo. I'm like, really? On your fucking picking hand? He's like, yeah, it's going to suck. I'll be fine. And he was, but I'm just like, God damn it. <laughs> yeah, the thing about the, the straight edge stuff that I never quite understood is that weird militant faction of straight edge where they like want to go and burn people's bar, like bars down and shit. Like, right. You know, it's. That's a little bit. Yeah, definitely. And I know like some of that, you know, was uh, there was a movement for that for a minute. You know, like people burning down bars and shit. It was like way northeast, like yeah, the bandana boys and stuff. Like even even back in like the late eighties, early nineties, like that northeast hardcore stuff. They got way into just like it wasn't enough to just be straight edge. You had to fight somebody if they were drinking. Right, right, right. which is like absurd. Or like somebody come like walking out of a liquor mart, you have to go and slap a six pack out of their hand, shit like that. Right, it's like dude, you're just being a dick at this point. Right, right. Spread the word, yes, but if somebody chooses to drink. Don't be a fucking asshole. Like, yeah. And like Ian McKay, even like, that's why he broke up fucking minor threat, minor threat was because of the violence and all of the, all of that stuff. Cause he's like, no, he's like, I don't, he's like, this isn't what that was about. It was a fucking song that I wrote when I was 19 years old. Right. What do you know? At because 19? I didn't want to get drunk or do drugs or whatever. Right. And he's like, and y'all fucking ran with it. Like, <laughs> Ian McKay hates straight edge, which is kind of fucking ironic and hilarious. Because like like with Fugazi shows, he would stop a show and walk off if there was a pit. He's like, this isn't what is it about. He's like, we're here to listen. They would call people out in the crowds and stuff. Oh, sure. yeah. And like several times, it would just like end the show. He's like, I already told you guys, we don't want this here. And we'll just walk off. Yeah. I know that a lot of, I don't know if you've ever seen these pictures, but like, this is pretty funny, but. Ben Affleck wearing like Boston hardcore band shirts yeah. and shit where the paparazzi will catch pictures, pictures of him and shit. I think he had like a have heart really? shirt on. Yeah. He had like a heart, have heart shirt on. I want to say, uh, he Affleck have, is a Boston hardcore kid. Evidently. I think he had like an in my eyes shirt on at one time. I don't know if he had like SSD or oh, slap shot or anything, but yeah, I, I know he's like a fan of Boston hardcore. Fucking slap shot. Yeah. <laughs> slap shot's still doing it. Are you serious? Which is well. Yeah. I mean, I don't, I haven't listened to anything recently, but I'm pretty sure they're still active. This is Barrett from the ATI Podcast. Each week, Josh and I discuss current events, pop culture, music, TV, movies, politics, sports. Nothing is out of bounds. You can also tune in to learn about rising artists, small businesses, whether it's music, graphic design, filmmaking, or even a brick and mortar mom and pop shop. We'll be spotlighting folks and their endeavors. Listen to us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, Anchor, or anywhere you enjoy your podcast. Just search ATI Podcast. We would like to thank you for your continued support. And as always, please stay safe out there. Before we got you off of here, I wanted to talk to you about some pro wrestling because I know you we've already kind of mentioned it a few different times, but we're all kind of pro wrestling marks. Anything in particular that you're heavy into at the moment? Dude, I'm all about that AEW. I watch the big four on WWE, but other than that, I don't really give a shit. It's to me, it's boring as fuck. For the most part, yeah, for sure. As I'm not an eight year old. Right. Like I could see Barrett how your kid loves it. 
I can see how your son fucking loves it. Right. Right. The little bit I have seen, it's like basically it's Hulkamania all over again with Roman Reigns. To a degree. It's just boring. There's not even like good storylines for me. Yeah. I just get bored. So they've had some good stuff here and there. Uh, the Roman Reigns storyline that they did with Brock Lesnar leading up to WrestleMania was pretty good. The match didn't deliver, I don't think, quite to people's expectations because of such a big build that they had. But right. allegedly Roman had some an injury in the match and they had to kind of call it early. Right. But taking that into consideration and it kind of makes sense. I've been all about the, the AEW. Like, it's been fantastic. It's, I mean, it's a Mark company. I realize that. Sure. Mark money behind it. Mark promoter. It's funny. Every so often, my wife would be like, so MGF, work or shoot? I'm like, oh, that's a fucking work. Well, that is apparently the scuttlebutt in some of the dirt sheets that uh, it is a, a, in fact, a work. Two of the biggest fucking marks on the planet, MJF and Tony Khan. Like, Tony's eating the fucking dirt sheets. Like, it's, and they've gone radio silent since then. So it's, if it was a, it was a shoot MJF, just based off his persona that we've seen so far, he would shut the fuck up. Well, he lives the gimmick. Yeah, yeah, like, in my fantasy booking, it's going to be Punk and John Moxley, whenever Punk comes back, Punk's going to win to unify, and as soon as he does, we're going to hear MJF's music. It's going to be Punk and MJF. And MJF's going to go over and get the world title. I'm fine with that. That's what I foresee happening. And that's what I would mark out on myself. But it's just so intriguing. And it's, I don't know. I just I just really dig the AEW product right now. And then you get the, the crossover with the Forbidden Door was, did you watch that? No, I did not. In fact, I still have it on my DVR to watch. So It's fantastic. I am way behind AEW. I want them to succeed. You know, WWE, I've mentioned it on here before, is kind of the Walmart of wrestling, if you will. You know, AEW is kind of like the Target of wrestling. And, you know, I I prefer to shop at Target. Right. Personally, (laughs) I shop at Target as much as I can. But sometimes Target doesn't have what you need. So you do have to go to Walmart. So that's kind of the comparison that I like to make. And it's not that I think that WWE is better. You know, back in the black and gold NXT days, that that was kind of my shit. Especially, you know, before COVID, it was running hot. Dude, like, I remember about the time I moved to St. Louis, I was right when they rolled out the network. And I I got it the day it came out. Like, I was like, I'm a fucking mark. And they have a library? Fuck yeah. Yeah. The first thing I watched was... Starcade 84, Flare for the Gold. I was going to ask you if it was JCP or something close to it. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Like, and I've, I've even thought about this because I knew we were going to talk about wrestling. That's when I was a kid, like, the JCP stuff is what I was attracted to. Yes, I was a little Hulkamaniac because that was. Everybody was. Yeah. And it was like, it appealed to me. But at the same time, like, I preferred JCP because it was. Real. Yes, it was legitimate it was more wrestling based it wasn't the cartoonish shit but then i also watched hulk hogan's rock and wrestling cartoon like i was yeah you know i was i just watched all wrestling i watched world-class championship wrestling on channel 30 yeah yep whenever i could get my dad to go up and move the antenna on top of the team on top of the house i used to watch fucking bill watts yeah mid-south mid on i think that was on 24 like if he was in the right mood where he's like, God damn it. Okay, whatever. 
and watch that for an hour and then have him turn it back so I can see world class on channel 30. Like we were in a good spot, Southeast Missouri, man. We could get a lot of different broadcasts. You could even get AWA at times because it's particularly when ESPN they had that deal with ESPN. Well, I I didn't have cable. I, I lived out in the country. There was like an AWA like syndicate. Like I knew who those were. Like, I knew who Larry Zabisco was when I was seven years old. Yeah, yeah. It was great. I could see all of the major stuff. I didn't know who was in Oregon or what it, where Piper sure. came from. But at that point, it didn't matter because he's in the Fed. But like, but for the most part, like even as a little kid, I was drawn to the Jim Crockett stuff. Like it was. And looking back, I don't, I don't really know why. Other than like looking back now, like I guess WWF was just too cartoony, over the top, like placating towards kids because Vince knew where that money was. I remember loving the idea of the Four Horsemen, but getting pissed every week when they cheated to win. Yeah. Right. If that makes sense. Oh yeah, for sure. Like, I remember whenever they kicked Lex Luger out because he wouldn't get out of the ring in the bunkhouse stampede so JJ could And, like, I remember Sting showing up and Dr. Death Steve Williams and Bam Bam Gregory. already knew who he was whenever he came over from... Mid-South. Mid-South from World Class. Like, that's... In World Class, the Freebirds blew up. Like, they were huge fighting the Vikings. And, like, I vaguely remember... The Parade of Champions where Kerry beat Flair for the title. That was that like was brief. Oh, it was like days. What day? Yeah, like twelve days or something like that. Because Kerry no showed like six of them. And he was about to he was about to head his way up to the Fed, I think. Right. It was right before that. He he already didn't have his foot, so he's already on pills, and he was liable. So they're like, okay, well, we just did this because David died, so we're gonna go back to Flair and. And, like, Flair's gone on record. He's like, it was like wrestling a fucking broomstick. Yeah. Like, even that match, the biggest match of Kerry Von Erich's life at that point, he was too fucked up to to wrestle. And, like, I remember, like, the Midnight Rider, whenever Dusty got suspended and he came back under... Under the hood. Yeah, under the hood and beat Flair for the title and they stripped him because there was some old NWA war- rule where you couldn't wear a hood and be world champion. Yeah. Or- it was just like just like classic eighties. Kabuki. Kabuki ish. <laughs> yeah. Oh great Kabuki. He was uh world class before he went to NWA. He popped up with Gary Hart in NWA for a little bit and then he disappeared and then Gary Hart brought in Great Muda. Gary Hart, man, that is a guy that is often not remembered, but what a mind for the business. What a big you know, incredible. I know he's a Huge champion of Court Bauer. I know Court Bauer's always talking about, you know, I guess he had a bit of a mentorship there. And, like, Gary Hart had a lot to do behind the scenes in World Class, too. Like, he like he helped book and all kinds of stuff. Do you listen to uh, Jeff Jarrett's podcast at all? Occasionally. I'm way behind on it, but I was listening to it pretty religiously out the gates. I just like a three episode deep dive of whenever his dad bought out world class i know i i do want to listen to that and it's really fucking good like the von eric the boys were fucking terrible even kevin like they would just they would no show all the time well they were accustomed to working for their dad and and working in the territory specifically and not having to travel too far and no show fucking stuff at the sportatorium it was like 10 minutes away they just wouldn't show up it's it's fucking insane, just some of the stories that he has from back then. 
Yeah, I was a fucking NWA guy when I was a little kid. I remember one year for Christmas, I dressed up as Arn Anderson. <laughs> yeah, that's great. I was all in on, like, I was a little stinger. like Patriot stinger with the red, white, and blue? Were you a patriot stinger with the red, white, and blue? or uh, I don't remember. Neon surfer stinger? <laughs> yeah. Definitely surfer sting, but not crow sting. I remember in second grade, I had to do some kind of presentation for the class. So I did it on wrestlers. And it was after about the time that Ultimate Warrior broke in WWF. And I, re- I remember whenever he broke because all the kids at school were like, oh my God, the Ultimate Warrior, da, da, da. And I was, even back then, I was like the smart. I'm like, oh, you mean the Dingo Warrior? Right. From Championship Wrestling. And before that, he was Blade Runner Rock from Mid-South. Mid-South, yeah. And my friend just looked at me like I was like the biggest nerd in the world. I was like, like, yeah, I've known who he is for, like, four years. <laughs> like, I was the worst kind of fucking mark, even as a little kid. Like, I would spend all of my allowances on the wrestling magazines. On PWI, The Wrestler, the magazine that was on the shelf, I bought it every fucking month. It was insane. How about The Observer? Did, were you, did you ever purchase that? I never, I never subscribed to the newsletter. I was... I don't even think I knew what it was. I wasn't that big of a mark yet. But just... But just from, like, reading the magazines and seeing, like, you know, Dingo Warrior in world class, whenever he still had the mustache and the same face paint and short hair, and then, like, whenever Sting showed up in Crockett, it's like, oh, yeah, that's one of the Blade Runners. Like, I remember in fifth grade that is whenever the Rockers, the Midnight Rockers jumped to WWF as the Rockers. And, like, all the kids at school were freaking out. I'm like, like yeah, I've known who Shawn Michaels is for, like, three years. Like, I was, like, if I met me now from then, I'd be like, dude, you need to calm the fuck down. Insufferable. Like, I would be... A little too pretentious. Because <laughs> I would just be like, well, actually, no, 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 no. I was fucking all in. Like, up until, like, sixth grade, I wanted to be a pro wrestler when I grew up. Like We, we did the same thing. Of course, I'm about eight years behind you or so but you know i still would watch a lot of the syndicated old shows and stuff like that so i was pretty aware of everybody and a lot of them were still around in the business and my awareness to a lot was during the oklamania boom and the rock through the rocky movies and this and that right. so like you know just always had a pulse on it but we really religiously heavily got into watching wrestling yeah and, and the games too helped you yeah, know, the video games. Yeah, the early sure. video games, uh, the early 90s, some of the WrestleMania games, you know, with Bret Hart, uh, the arcade games in particular. Right. You know, I always thought Bret Hart was like cooler than the other side of the pillow. I want to be like him, want to look like him. Right. <laughs> you know, like with the shades and everything and the leather jacket, just long, stringy hair. I wanted to be like, Shawn look Michaels as badass guy. as he was. Well, I love Shawn, Shawn Michaels <laughs> is on my Mount Rushmore Heart probably. Kid, so, oh, well, I used to be, I should say. My my tastes have changed over the years. Not to interrupt, but Barrett, what is your Mount Rushmore? Stone Cold Steve Austin. All right. Ric Flair. Yes. Shawn Michaels. Okay. Or Bret Hart. I've I've went back and forth on that over the years. That's fair. And this one's going to throw everybody for a damn loop, but AJ Styles. Mm. Because I've been following him since he was WCW Cruiserweight Tag Team Tournament. <laughs> I've been following him that long. So. I, like, I vaguely remember from that, and then uh, TNA popped up. I'm like, 
Oh, it's that kid. Yes, that's exactly how I... I mean, popped up on TNA. I'm like, I remember, like, this kid is the next big thing. Yes, that's exactly what I said when it happened. Like, I got the first TNA pay-per-view. I begged my dad so I could watch it so I could see him. And then Scott Hall was on there, which I was a huge Razor Ramon fan. And that's what we mentioned earlier, but Ken Shamrock ended up being the first champion. Yeah. Jeff Jarrett was there. They brought it. They eventually brought in Sting, so... But AJ Styles, I know that's going to throw people for a loop, but... Dude, that's fair. Mine is probably... You can't not put Hogan on there. Yeah. If we're talking most successful or greatest wrestlers of all time, though, too, that's a different discussion. I'm just talking my personal. Like, as far as workers go, like, he's not even in the running. Workers, no. it is Arn Anderson, Bobby Eaton. Hell yeah, Bobby Eaton. Midnight Express, baby. Like you, it comes down to either HBK or Brett. I'm going to go with Sean just because we're birthday buds. <laughs> Well, Sean had, I know this is going to be probably like, I feel like I like I'm betraying Bret Hart here, but Sean had more longevity. Sean, in my opinion, had a more charismatic promo. Yes, he did. But when it, I mean, they're both equally great in-ring tacticians. It's just a different style. Right, right. For me, here's the thing. Another thing is Sean could work with anybody in any style. Yeah. Bret made people bend to Bret. He did. But there were, he did get some, like, of the best matches out of people, too. So he had a really good run in the mid-90s, in particular, WWF. Like, his work from, like, 93 to 97 is impeccable, in particular, as a singles. And see, and see for me, that's about the time that I dropped off because everything went to cable. Yeah. Right? And I, I, you know, we didn't have cable when I was in high school. So, like, I moved, I moved to Farmington area, Park Hills, in 97. And we got cable, and all of a sudden the fucking NWO. I'm like, wait, Hulk Hogan's a bad guy. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that that was a big life changer. Fucking Razor coming in thing. Like I missed all of that. Like all the beginning of Nitro and the beginning of Raw because it was on cable, and I didn't have cable. I was so lucky. We stole cable, <laughs> so that's the only reason I had it. My dad figured I would steal it, and. I literally started, like, my heavy fandom. I was starting to get on this earlier, but my heavy fandom started, like, right as the Attitude Era kicked off. NWO just started. Different people point to different things with the WWF stuff, but, you know, right in that heart of the 83-week battle back and forth. Right. Well, 83 weeks of WCW kicking their ass, quite frankly, but... Right. But, you know, just all of that. All, all the way into the Attitude Era, I fell off for a few years, picked it back up in the Attitude Era, and then probably dropped off, like, 2006-ish all the way until about 2015 I got back on. But uh, So I missed a lot of good years a lot from a lot of good people, you know, like CM Punk, for example. I knew who he was because I had seen him in TNA. He was actually in TNA briefly in uh, 2004, 2005 with some of his right. ROH stuff with uh, Raven bled over on yes. TNA. So but... That was about the time I got back into like, I got back into it, like, late NWO era, like, 97, 98, like, when there was fucking 40 of them. And I was watching Nitro and all that stuff, and then fell off a little bit again. And then, like, I was dating this girl, and, like, her brother and her brother-in-law were way into it. That was about the time that TNA started, which is also during the uh, Ruthless Aggression era for WWF. And... It was about the time whenever they changed, like get the get the f out, and like I was, dude, I was watching wrestling three nights a week, four nights a week because they had Sunday night heat and well shit, yeah, four nights a week plus the Friday show, and like I was just fucking all in. I'm like, this is fucking, and it was good back then, like 
the Fed was. Yeah. Somewhere at my parents' house, I have the fucking PWI 500 with Chris Benoit on the fucking cover. He was rated number one. And, but like, I was just like all in then. And like, I had been kind of reading before that a little bit. And like, I had heard of CM Punk and Samoa Joe. And then like, all of them came to TNA. I was like, holy shit. Like, yeah. Both of like, I'm like, okay, this is a CM Punk guy. I'm like, yeah, he's that fucking good. Like, right. You know, it was about the same time he's, he had done a little bit of the Ring of Honor first and then went to TNA, was bouncing back and forth. But they are then like, AJ was in Ring of Honor and NWA Wildside down in Florida. And it was just like the indies were blowing up. Like, then, like, I read about Samoa Joe and like I hadn't seen any Ring of Honor because then it was still just tape trading. So I read about him and then he shows up. I'm like, holy shit. And then I started reading about this guy named Daniel Bryan or Brian Danielson. And I was just like, all right, well, who the fuck is this kid? And just kept reading and reading. And like, he's Ring of Honor, Ring of Honor. Like, I, you know, I didn't know anybody that had tapes. I didn't have a get him. And then, like, he pops up in the Fed. I'm like, even initially, like, oh my God, this dude is fucking phenomenal. Trained by my Shawn Michaels. Yeah. And I'm just like, holy shit. Like, and then, you know, he had his fucking Fed run, which was. Had its high spots. I was like, I was really pissed whenever he lost to fucking Sheamus and what? Oh, yeah. 15 seconds at WrestleMania, whatever it was. Yeah, it was stupid. And like, why did he just lose to the big white ginger? That's fucking dumb. <laughs> yeah. That dude couldn't wrestle his way out of a brown paper bag that was wet. And no. The guy that's like an actual worker. Honestly, the best thing they've ever done with Sheamus was the bar with Cesaro whenever they did their heel run together. Yeah, that was really good. Oh, did you see that he popped up? Yes, I did. Claudio? And he is, but looked like a man amongst boys and everything that he's done since. Manhandling, like throwing Sammy around. And yeah. He just beat the shit out of Sammy in that uh, war game. Well, I'll just call it war games, but it's blood and guts match that they had. Oh, dude. He just beat the fucking ever-living piss out of him. Straight out of the gate in that when he first came in. It's insane just how much further he is along the... <laughs> I mean, he's he's a different level for sure. I'm a I've always been a big Claudio fan. I've always felt like he was never done justice. I honestly, I felt like he was the best wrestler during the pandemic era. Like he was like one of the few people that got it that knew how to wrestle without a crowd. Right. And like his shit still came off real when he was hitting people. Like you audibly could hear it. You know, it picked up on the mics even as bad as they tried to like deaden the mics and stuff. Like right. Fucking Kevin Dunn's a dick about that in WWE. Dude, fuck Kevin. Did he get fired? He did not. Not that I'm aware of anyways, unless it just happened before we got on. Johnny Ice has been put on leave. I think he's like on leave. He's not officially been fired yet. Bruce Pritchard took over interim uh, talent relations. Dude, all of that mess is fucking insane too. Oh, that's crazy. I still don't think we have heard the last of it. No, like I, I had heard, I had saw an article that like implicated fucking Johnny Ace in it too. Yeah, essentially, I think the understanding is at least that it was Vince's pet at first, this woman, and then got handed off to Johnny Ace and had to work under Johnny Ace. And then I guess he started having his way with her or whatever was going on there. But that's why they, you know, she ended it in. But whenever you're making 100000 as a paralegal, first off, in the WWE, which just seems a little high to begin with for just a paralegal, and I'm not trying to piss on paralegals, but <laughs> I listened to Cornette's podcast, and he did a, uh, he had Brian check, like, what the listing was in Indeed and ZipRecruiter for paralegals in the Stanford, Connecticut area, and the starting wage was, like, something stupid, like, maybe $46,000 a year or something. Right. And they hired her on at 100000 and within a year, she had a raise to 200000 Right. Yeah. And at the end of her second year, she resigns with a $3 million NDA. Right. A $3 million, shut the fuck up. Yeah, that's exactly. 
I'd let Vince McMahon fuck me for $3 million. I'll just, I'm first here to say it. Hell, I'd let him do it for a million. But, <laughs> hey, as long as he gave me a cut of that blue chew money. Yeah, no doubt. <laughs> for sure, man. It's fucking crazy. And something else I'm excited about, when Ring of Honor gets a TV deal. Yeah, fully rebooted. One of the things I really like about AEW is their quarterly pay-per-views. But man, this summer they're trying to hammer me hard. Oh, I know. I am thinking about buying that Ring of Honor pay-per-view just because the match card's getting sicker. Damn, I just paid 40 bucks two months in a row, and now I'm going to pay $40 again in the same goddamn month. Shit. It's Joe versus Jay Lethal for the TV title. And FTR and Briscoes, too, for the tag shapes. Yeah, for the ROH tag titles. Oh, my God. FTR called them out on Dynamite last night, and you know what's going to happen. Yeah, they're going to retain. Like, I feel like they're going to put the AEW straps back on them just so they can have four belts fucking all of the gold like that's because they already have three dude they're the best why not i mean yeah on. the absolute best best in the business why is tony not pull the trigger on doing a quote-unquote four horsemen stable with them adam page and some Ooh, mjf would be do it with wardlow if it's babyface yeah i feel like it'd be like a tweener did you watch dynamite last night yeah yeah so that ftr had had a promo on there that's where they recalled out the briscoes but of course, Wardlow won the TNT title last night. Dude, I popped for that. I was fucking... Sick. Oh, yeah. He's over, He's like, over insanely, dude. And they just need to limit him on the mic. It's the only thing. They're getting a little too ahead of themselves with that one. But, yeah. Honestly, super excited about wrestling right now. It's just... It's so good outside of WWE. They could almost do with what Vince initially planned on doing when he bought WCW. Like, two complete separate brands Like that also cross over and yeah it's a way of keeping things fresh rotate the talent and i like and i like the stuff with like new japan crossing over and the triple a stuff even though that got fucked up with triple a new japan or forbidden door, but well and injuries right. you know no daniel bryan no cm punk i mean that's those are my two favorite wrestlers so. right <laughs> or brian danielson excuse me i prefer to call him phil phil you guys got a got a relationship like that no i'm just Honestly, I'm kind of over it. Oh, over the CM Punk moniker? Or just CM Punk. The gimmick? Just everything. Eh, I like him being there. He seems like he's uh, turned over some other leaf in the sense that, like, a lot of people, he's influenced, like, FTR and, and some other talents that you hear, you know? And I, and I get all that, but I'm just like, you're from roughly the same class as Brian Danielson, and I'm sorry, but Danielson could run rings around CM Punk. Oh, I mean, come on now. That's not a... There's no conversation even to be had there. <laughs> yeah. But CM Punk still, even as rusty as he might be, still holds down a good classic style, good sound psychological match. A lot of people, but honestly, I feel like this is like him right now is like Flair's run with uh, fucking Batista, Triple H, and Randy Orton. He's just kind of... Evolution. Just kind of like, like the back end, like, like, all right, Phil, you got your world title here. Fucking drop to somebody else and then... Just be a coach. He doesn't need he doesn't need it, and the only reason he's getting it is just to he. This is the case that the champion the the person's making the championship. It's bringing a little bit more of a prestige to it. So he is he is strictly the champion to perpetuate somebody else. That's all that's happening here. I think it's gonna be fucking MJF. It should be MJF. 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 I think would be an insane chicken shit heel for a good eighteen month plus run. Yeah. MJF, he's impeccable in the ring if you give him somebody that knows what they're doing. Him and Darby still have my favorite match the last two years, I think. Yeah, they fucking went out. I'm iffy on Darby. Just because I'm not... I like Darby. I'm not super big into the fucking Crash Bang 
train wreck. I'm not, but he's different, man. He is different. The way he delivers, like even like his suicide dives and shit like that. Like he just comes with a different type of momentum. And I know a lot of it has to do with the size. He's a little bit smaller guy, so it looks a little bit more violent, but he's got, and he can do some chain wrestling and stuff. You know, I've, I've seen it. He's, he can do it. So like, he's not just a crash and burn guy. I I get that. That's what he gets pigeonholed into doing more times than not. But I mean, you have to think he's not been in any of his blood and guts matches yet. And I mean, like he'd be a prime game in it, right? If he's, if that's who he is. Jericho's too busy taking up all those. Well, we know that. Now, if you'd made that comment about tired of the Jericho thing, I'd get I'd get with you on that comment. Paint that CM Punk talk you had a second ago and move that over to Jericho, cut and paste. <laughs> and what's what's really frustrating to me is like historically Jericho every two to three years drops off for a year, nine months, comes back brand new and keeps it fresh. The Jericho Appreciation Society, I'm like. Dude, this is the same fucking gimmick, just different people. Right. And you quit drinking, so you're in shape. But you're also high as fuck for every just in-ring promo. Yeah. (laughs) Dude, if they're just doing promos, or even matches, if it's a tag match, like, that dude does bong grips before he comes out. Because there's something going on there. And his eyes are completely bloodshot. (laughs) I get it, but, like, most people don't fucking care. And I can't help but think that, like, a majority... Of the fans in the stands that are singing the song, honestly think Judas is a good song. Oh, yeah. That's, yeah. It's fucking terrible. It's fucking... <laughs> no, it's not good. No. It's a shitty cock rock song. I mean, that's what Fozzie is, though. Shitty Stop cock rock fan. And it was fucking horrid. I can imagine, dude. It was terrible. Then I saw... They just played Pops a few months ago. I couldn't bring myself to go watch them, even though I'd been cool to try and meet Jericho, but there was no chance of meeting him, no, I don't think. not at this point. No. I saw him, like... Whenever he had quit WWE and just doing New Japan, but hadn't, he had still told Vince, he's like, I'll never work for another company in America. They did. They came to. So that was a lie. Well, money talks, bullshit walks. That's right. And like, I saw him at Fubar and like, oh my God, this even before like Judas came out, it was just like, I'll go see Fozzie because I'm a fucking nerd. I'm like, oh, this is fucking horrible. Like it's. Like the worst cock rock you could ever fucking imagine. You didn't pay for the VIP experience, did you? Oh, fuck no. <laughs> I'm not even sure. Get the acoustic set. I'm not even sure. I think the one guy that was working the door, I knew him. I'm like, hey, I'm just a wrestling nerd. He's like, yeah, go ahead. Like, I think I got him for free, but it was fucking terrible. I, I honestly, there's times, man, that I just feel embarrassed to be a fan, quite frankly, regardless of what I'm watching, though, because just there's horrid shit out there. It, like the consistency isn't there that it used to be. You know, back to the Attitude Era, even Ruthless Aggression Era, like, there was, like, you could watch it, somebody walk in, and you'd not be totally embarrassed about what you were watching, and nowadays, I feel like, I gotta, like, every five minutes, like, all right, uh, when's the adult stuff gonna start happening, something that's gonna intrigue me, like, there's very few things that are keeping me engaged nowadays. And, like, even, like, last night watching fucking Dynamite, like, whenever Christian came out with fucking Luchasaurus, I'm like, what am I if I'm like, I'm gonna go poop and smoke. And that's funny, I'm like, I don't give a fuck about Christian. Sorry, I don't. I do like the promos he's been cutting the last couple of weeks. Just, But he's just like, play, basically being MJF. Right, he's just playing. And like, back in the day, I love Christian. I love the peeps thing that he did with The Rocks. With The Rock, like, it was fucking great. But I'm like, dude, you're fucking in your... If you're not 50, you're damn close. Why are you taking a spot? That's always been my thing with, like, older guys. And I even got that way with Flair. I'm like, you're taking someone's spot. Stop. He's taking a spot. Like, like, just like why? Why just go away? Go back to WWE. Do one more run with Edge, 
and going to the Hall of Fame. And then they teased the whole thing with Matt Hardy last night. I'm like, been there, done that, seen that too many times. I rolled my eyes and was like, I'm going to go to the bathroom and go smoke. I'm like, you guys did this literally 20 plus years ago. They just did it to have something for Matt to do with Jeff out. That's all there was. You know, somebody else to get some heat on Luchasaurus with this heel turn. And like, and honestly, I don't give a parties anymore like i don't either they're such a shell of their former selves they've just deteriorated so bad in the last four years i think it's funny whatever like people like that come in i'm like oh that's tony being a mark and throwing money at it just because he can because he can yeah he's like i want hardy's in the contract just because i'm like that's a terrible fucking idea nobody cares well he also gets influenced by the young bucks on things sometimes that's probably not the wisest business choices you know, with some of these signings that they have. Yeah, but at least the Young Bucks are funny. Sometimes. I have a love with them. I have a love-hate relationship with them, without a doubt. I, they are the reason that I got back into wrestling. Because I saw some clip of Super Kick Party that they were doing on an indie show, and I was like, what is this? And uh, being a big Shawn Michaels fan, of course. Right. You know, I was like, what the fuck? Like, these guys are just, like, Super Kick was, like, my finish whenever I'd make myself in wrestlers and games. It was either Stunner or Super Kick, right. usually. And I'm like, holy shit, like, these guys are running around Super Kicking the shit out of everybody. This is really cool. I need to, like, check out more stuff. And then found out they were, like, in the Bullet Club and a part of a faction. And, like, oh, I'm getting, like, NWO vibes here, like, present day. Dude, like, I was... Once I heard about Bullet Club, I was like, oh, shit. Like, I had heard about him right before AJ left. I was like... Me too. Yeah. Well, no, I take that back. It was whenever uh, Finn came in. Or was Finn after AJ? Finn was before AJ. Yeah, whenever Finn came in, like... Finn started it with Gallows and uh, Anderson. Yeah, and then I heard AJ took over. I'm like, well, that's fucking cool. And then that's when I started up way too late on January 4th, watching Wrestle Kingdom. And then Kenny took over for AJ. Kenny took over, and then... uh, Adam Cole was the U.S. leader, yeah. Which I hope really quick because I think the only reason Kenny didn't show up at Forbidden Door was because Cole was already hurt. Maybe. And then like his match with, did you could see when he got really hurt because like they immediately went to the end. But Jay White, that was like that was abrupt. Like okay, once I heard he got hurt, I'm like okay, that's. That makes sense. Yeah, I don't think they've done Cole any favors in AEW for the most part, too. It's like, he shouldn't have lost to Orange Cassidy. That was just absolutely silly. Yeah, my biggest complaint with AEW is some booking mishaps, and then there's some things that make TV sometimes that should not be on TV. It makes me embarrassed to be a fan. Yeah, absolutely. What do you think about Jade Cargo? I want to not like her, but her look is so good, and she talks to, like, really good shit. And she's 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 like a deer on ice when she wrestles, but still undefeated. What I tell you where the money's at whenever she gets to WWE because they'll know how to package her and they'll make all kinds of fuck ton of money off of her. Yeah, who who else do you think will jump? If Wardlow's smart, he will. They will know what to do with him because he's a fucking he's a big guy, and that's what they're going for now. I hope MJF doesn't because he'll just get lost in the shuffle. Yeah, I can see it. I mean, they're they're not doing Eli Drake any service, you know, <laughs> service right now. He's Max Dupree, and apparently I didn't watch SmackDown last Friday night, but apparently they had him doing something atrocious, like a new. Uh, he's got his new male models out, and he was doing some kind of funky, I guess, uh, accent of some sort that he's trying to figure out. Like I, I was afraid that he would go there and Vince would fuck him up. Like he was one of the best talkers in pro wrestling. Right. That dude just needs to be himself turned up to 11 Stone Cold style. Like, he's one of the few people that wrestles and looks like a, a good, in-shape classic wrestler. Cuts a good promo. Like, he would fit right into those JCP days in the 80s, without question. Honestly, that's why I have Peacock. I go back and watch old JCP stuff. Oh, yeah. 
There's plenty of good old shit there. It's just so ridiculously good. Like, an honorable mention for my worker, Mount Rushmore, is Barry Windham. Yeah, he's great, for sure. He's part of my, he's my favorite, he's in my favorite horseman lineup. My favorite horseman lineup was Rick, Arnold, and Barry. That was after they kicked Lex out. That was a good lineup, and I've heard a lot of people say that that's their favorite. Because every one of them could fucking work. Right, 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 right. And that's whenever he had, like, adopted the blackjack moniker and, like, wore the black glove and was doing the claw. Yeah, not a big fan of the claw finish, personally. <laughs> it's too hokey. It's weak and hokey. It's different if you're Andre the Giant or, you know, somebody like that. You could get away with that, but... Yeah, fucking on- goddamn Andre. Like, name a more generous fucking wrestler that's ever lived. Like, if he lost, it's because he decided. Oh, no question. One of my favorite, like, folklore stories from wrestling is WrestleMania 3. Him and Hogan. Hogan was scared going in because... I believe it. He's paranoid as it is. I've heard, like, he asked Vince, like, six or seven times. He's like, so Andre's gonna... He's playing ball, right? He's like... And Vince is like, fuck, man, as far as I know, it's Andre. Who the fuck knows? And then he fucking did. And another fucking... One of my favorite Andre stories is he hated baby oil. Supposed to wrestle a fucking uh, Macho Man. And Macho Man came into the dressing room and, you know, Andre was holding court, playing cards. And Macho Drinking his wine. He's like, so, you know, what are we thinking for the finish? And Andre just stops, looks up, and he's like, no baby oil. <laughs> Doused himself in baby oil. He's like, he's like, yeah, I already know. He's like, so what's the finish? He's like, and he just looked, he's like, no baby oil. And then just kept, went back to playing cards, and Macho Man was like, okay, well, fuck me. Which is hilarious, because Savage was the most detailed wrestler at the time in WWE. Right. Like, I don't know if you heard the story of, like, him and Steamboat's match. Him and Steamboat, yeah, they totally scripted it out. Yes, it was, like, almost 200 segments that, like, they wrote and memorized, and, like, leading up to it, like, in the middle of March, Savage would be like, Okay, you know, number uh, one ninety seven. Go from there to the end and start over. And then, like Savage, would, like had it memorized. I'll pick up there. Like that's how meticulous they were about that match, which is one of the best fucking matches fucking ever. Oh yeah, I'd hate to see uh, DDP and Randy Savage be laying out a match because my god, take forever. Uh, <laughs> that's a lifetime. And on and honestly, why is fucking Ricky Steamboat, not a more fucking Mount Rushmore's. I I mean, he, he is great. I think he got cut a little short, too. I mean, it's hard to say. I mean, I say short, but, you know, you'd look at Stone Cold Steve Austin. His career was could have been longer if it wasn't for injuries. Yeah, but Steamboat and fucking feud in the 70s over the U.S. title. Right. In and, like, Steamboat has had, like, four of my favorite matches ever. The fucking WrestleMania. Well, the Ric Flair trilogy. And the Flair trilogy. The, WrestleMania the was that. Macho Man. Yeah, for sure. The last... Number three of the Flair trilogy might be the, in my opinion, the greatest professional wrestling match that has ever happened. It's in the conversation for sure. Isn't there an after angle with Terry Funk where he puts him through the table? Yes, it's Flair. And there Terry comes in to congratulate him and like hits him and then does like quote unquote the first table spot. Right. Or drives him on it and it doesn't break and it just like kind of folds. Flair and Terry went on to have a great match to pay off that angle too. They had a regular match. And then after that was the I Quit match. Outstanding. And it's like, I feel bad for, like, the sub-generation younger than us because they've only seen, like, Flair's a shell of himself. But, like, dude, back in the day, like, 
you know, a lot of marks would be like, well, he was a 16-time world champion because he lost it 15 times. You're right, but also they, Crockett tried to, like, put it on someone else to see what happened, and it wasn't working, so Flair beat the in because Flair made money. Right, that's right. And that just might be me being a guy that likes the heel champion. It is It is a necessary evil. I like watching a baby face chase a heel than it is watching Hulk Hogan getting fed monsters and for eight years <laughs> eight fucking goddamn years. well boss i could talk wrestling all day yeah i know i don't want to shortchange you and anything else that you've got going on that you want to promote i know we talked about the shows earlier we'll get those shared on the event page for sure we <clears throat> appreciate your time yeah absolutely Thanks and for doing the show doing it, man awesome. gotta bring you back on again sometime my man thank you so we'll much, see you man. my man and thank you for your time yeah thanks so much yeah, go home and wake up at fucking five o'clock in the goddamn I know the feeling my man it's terrible it's the grind (laughs) all right bud see you man take care see ya
Hey, this is Josh from ATI Podcast. For show updates and news about the podcast, follow us on social media. You can follow us on Facebook at facebook.com slash Podcast 22 on Twitter at podcast underscore ATI, on Instagram at the ATI Podcast, on TikTok at ATI Podcast. DMs are always welcome. Have a question for the show? You can always email us at ATI Podcast questions at gmail.com. Stay safe out there.